well, 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 well. You got it back. I love that sound. Yeah, you got your voice back. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program known as Smoking and Toasting. It's a radio show. It's a video show. It's a podcast. It's a video cast. It's almost... It's almost everything that We're it's supposed ubiquitous. to be. It's yeah. love. It's love. Uh, welcome to show number 117. We are live in a place we've we've been before, but not really. Uh, we're at Maduro's uh, in uh, League City, and Maduro's Cigar Lounge uh, is in the location that used to be. It was actually the location where we met this man correct. to my right, yeah, Mr. Correct. Alan Denny. Uh, the location that used to be the man cave. Uh, the man cave closed, and we'll... Uh, you know, we'll talk about that a little bit. Won't get you in trouble, but we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, talk about how this whole shop, this whole lounge, has been completely rebirthed and rejuvenated as Maduro's, and it's a really exciting thing to it see. Is. Absolutely, it's, it's a it's a great spot. So we are not only live at Maduro's, but we are also live with our good friend Alan Denny and with Jose Blanco from EP Carrillo. Jose, welcome to the show. It's an honor, pleasure to be with you guys. I've heard a lot about it, and uh, well, if it was from this guy, you know better than to actually well, take it all that um, seriously. Just, just remember the good stuff. Yeah. Well. <laughs> The jury's out on that one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we want to come back and talk uh, E.B. Carrillo. We want to talk cigars. Uh, but we do need to remind you that we're brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, we are um, proud to be um, associated with the guys at B&B. They're, they're good people. They, uh, they have an amazing bar. And uh, Jeremiah works there. Oh. And, and we kind of dig him. So. Yeah. Also bacon. Also bacon. That bacon. Yes. They have this bacon, bacon appet- advertiser or appetizer. Sorry, I can't even advertiser. Yeah, That's appetizer. Funny. I like that. <laughs> bacon, mm-hmm. We're the bacon advertisers. Um, they have this bacon appetizer. So good. Blue cheese, bacon. I mean, it's hard to go wrong with that. We also want to thank our uh, guest from last week, Tom Poehler, uh, with Tatuaje and uh, with a number of other uh, cigar companies that he reps. Tom was a treasure trove of cigar information. So if you haven't heard uh, or watched Show 116, you should go back and, and pick that one up because it, uh, it was a lot of fun, and we had, we had a really good time with him. And so here we are. Now, I, I wanted to say we're going to open, but Ian's just going to pour sort of an introduction. Oh, yeah, here. Right, right off we, the bat. We do, have, we do have a lot to taste today on the show because, uh, well, I, we'll get to what you brought in a little <laughs> while because that, that got me all excited. Uh, but uh, we have some other great beers and, and some uh, whiskey to taste, and so we have all of that coming up. But we thought we'd just open with a, you know, maybe a little toast with one of our absolute favorites, which is a seasonal, which is the St. Arnold Christmas Ale. And what's interesting is one of the beers that I brought along today, and it will be very interesting to uh, kind of compare and contrast the St. Arnold Christmas Ale to the one that I brought that is the Bell's. Christmas ale, and we've two of my favorite breweries. Yeah, we've done a lot of interesting comparisons with Bell's and our other favorites, uh, and Bell's generally does pretty well. So, uh, so we'll we'll see. I have not tasted the Bell's Christmas ale is a Scotch ale, so uh, it'll be interesting to see. And you know, I love uh, Scotch ale. Yeah. Also, the uh, I haven't tried the Bell's Christmas ale yet, so this will be my first taste of it. Very. Exciting. I have, however, blown through an entire keg. A keg. A keg. Oh, now, I'm talking Christmas about a five-gallon slim, not not, not like a, a super keg. Right. Not 13 gallons. <laughs> not an Alan Denny-sized keg. <laughs> hey, what are we trying to say here? <laughs> Man, has no, lost I, a lot of weight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I have blown through an entire keg of it at my house, and uh, and so I'm, I'm pretty 
pretty sure I know what this tastes like. Well, gentlemen, cheers. And, Jose, thank you for being on the show today. We're very, very excited. Welcome Christmas season. Yeah, very excited to talk talk tobacco with you. And we can open, by the way, with me commenting on the amazingness of this little short cigar that Alan gave me that I lit up before the show started. And Ian's had one of these as well. Is yours done? Oh, yeah, yeah. I smoked mine until it was like... Until it was this, Alan. What it's is very this? Down. So, what is this little bitty gem <laughs> so that I'm is, smoking? It's so, so this good. is our Rothschild Junior. It is a little bitty. It, it actually comes in five packs, and some of the stores that we have them in, they break the five packs open and sell the individual cigars three dollars a piece, or you buy the five pack for about fifteen bucks. So you got. Five nice little 30-40 minute cigars. It's a great little dog walker. Yeah, yeah. Little, little Maduro. We kind of undisclosed uh, binder and filler on those, but it comes in Maduro and natural, and just a really great savory cigar. I love the little, the cedary aftertaste that I've got going on because I mm-hmm. haven't fired up anything else yet, and I still got that flavor in my mouth. This came up because I got here a little early, and I said, you know what? Do you have something I can smoke right before the show so I can fire something up on the show? Perfect size. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it 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 might be. One of our other cigars, unnamed, in a little smaller format. But it's our Rothschild Junior. It's available at most of our retail partners carry it. Of course, Fred carries it here at Maduro's. Now, you mentioned that this, uh, the tobacco is unnamed. Uh, undisclosed. Undisclosed. That was the word you used. Undisclosed. Uh, so I've noticed that's a bit of a trend. And uh, Tom Puller was actually talking about this yeah. last week, that, um, that there are cigar companies who either don't, always disclose what tobacco's in their cigars or maybe don't necessarily disclose all of the tobacco that may be sure. in in the blend. They may say, well it's you know, it's Dominican and it may have Dominican in it, yeah. but it may also have, you know, Honduran and Nicaraguan or uh, something else in it as well. Um, that's you see that as a as a trend that might continue it, being a little less uh, forthcoming with yeah, the information about the binder there, and filler. There's a couple of reasons for that. One, um, maybe the company doesn't want you to tell or doesn't want to tell you where they got it from because, realistically, uh, I'll use one of Ernesto's greatest partners in cigars, and that's Placencia. Mm-hmm. Placencia is the largest grower and seller of tobacco in the world, and. There are very, very, very few companies in the planet that are 100% vertical. That's and by right. that, I mean they grow it, they, grow they age it, right, and right. everything they use is their own. There's very Farm few. Farm to product, so to speak. I would venture to say that 99.9% of the c- cigars in Fred's Humidor have some Placencia tobacco. And am I right, it Jose? certainly yes, makes absolutely. sense. And, and it so, makes sense, yeah, too. And so with that... A lot of people, they, they want you to think, hey, we grow it. And they, they may be a grower. Yeah, uh, and they may grow some of it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they don't want you to know that, hey, we're buying some of it because we can't grow enough. Or it may be the fact of, hey, we're getting, yes, it's Dominican, but maybe it's Dominican from this crop this year and it's a different crop next year. So it, right. it tastes very similar, but it's a little different. So they don't want to say it's Criollo 99 or Corojo 99. They don't want to get super specific. On our stuff, when we advertise a blend, it's... Mexican San Andrean wrapper, Nicaraguan binder, this and that. We'll tell you Dominican and Nicaraguan filler, Dominican and Honduran. But if you were to ask me, well, which Honduran and where, I couldn't tell you, Jose probably well, couldn't tell you all the of them. The other thing, you know? too, is I'm assuming, uh, I'm assuming your blenders uh, and your company in general doesn't want everyone to know the exact blend overall, because that's like giving away your recipe to some degree, right? A little bit. You know. I, I think we, we talked a lot about this last week, but the, the real secret to the cigars that you love the most, whatever those are, is that blend. 
And that's why it doesn't surprise me that everyone is using you know, Placencia, which, you know, they grow more cigar tobacco than anybody else in the world. It's of a very high quality. I'm not surprised that tobacco makes it into so many uh, different companies' cigars. Because at, in the end, it's really about the blend, whether you're yeah, using all, the flavor, yeah. all yeah. Placencia tobacco, or whether you're finding other things to blend it with to get the particular flavor, or whatever it is that you're that you're conjuring up. Correct. Uh, it's it's all about having the right the right ingredients together. You never know what's going to make the flavor. I have a uh, a friend of mine that that has this. Uh, he makes these cocktail weenies for Christmas every year, and one of the major ingredients in it is grape jelly. You never weenies? know, but if no. you say, "Hey, that's got grape jelly in it," no one's going to try it because <laughs> that's weird. Yeah, that's awkward. I don't know. Maybe that's part of it too. Well, there's a there's so <laughs> a, a little bit later, probably not in this segment, but down the road, I want to talk about Encore a little bit, and I'm going to ask Jose to describe how the wrapper for that cigar is done because it's a process that Something he knows way more about it than I do because he's been down there and seen it and but it's an old way of doing tobacco and it took Ernesto two years to get that wrapper right and he was almost done he was like I can't get what I want the tobacco was what he wanted but he couldn't get the flavor exactly the way he wanted and he did something I'll let Jose uh, give you the insight on that because his knowledge Way surpasses everyone else in this entire building compared to. <laughs> That's so fun. <laughs> I'm assuming we're going to come to that because we we will be having a serious Ooh. discussion of the encore. We will. Unfortunately, I don't have encore oh. for us to smoke today, but uh. I did bring some other good stuff. Well, for what us. are we going to smoke today? So we are going to smoke Alenkos, which I have out on the table here. Oh, so this nice. is a cigar that came out uh, November of last year, and I'll if Adam would pay attention. <laughs> oh, careful throwing cigars. Um, we don't want those to get... Uh, so, Alenco's, it's part of our Elite Series, which is just what it said. They're, they're higher-profile tobaccos, higher-profile cigars. It's it's an Elite. We have several different uh, series. We have our Core Series. We have our Family Series. We have the Elite Series. And the Elite is our New Wave Reserva, that Capital Soul. That is a great-looking wrapper, by the way. Yeah. So, it, it uses Brazilian tobacco. It's a Brazilian wrapper. And so, you get that natural sweetness off of it. But so this cigar actually came out, it was out in 2010, 2011 as a limited edition cigar. Mm-hmm. And Ernesto, it sold so well that he could not keep up with, he didn't have enough wrapper. And wow. so what he actually did is he kind of had to wait and buy and procure more tobacco. And we re-released it in November of last year. And it's been a smashing success for it. Jose, I wanted to ask you uh, this question. We were talking about flavors and blends and just what you just mentioned about this came out as a limited edition you decided to come back and 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 release it again once you had access to the tobacco necessary how difficult is it for a blender to recreate the flavor of a cigar from crop to crop you may you may do a release it's fantastic everybody loves it and then the next time you go back to blend it again it's it's a different year's tobacco. It's a different crop. It's going to have different characteristics. That's to me seems to be the that's the magic science yeah. of cigar blending. Well, uh, to be honest, one of the main things about Ernesto and the majority of uh, the big companies is that uh, in in our case, Ernesto's case, he has been in the business uh, for over forty years. So what Ernesto has done that he has uh, kept very uh, tight. Uh, from the people he buys tobacco, like he mentioned Placencia, but also the Perez family. 
Mm-hmm. Those are the people from ASP, but also Oliva. Not Oliva cigars, Oliva tobacco. So the main source is really uh, for us and for the majority of the company is Oliva, the Pettis family, and Nestor Placencia, like Alan said, is the biggest grower of, uh, of black tobacco in the world. But then you look at Connecticut, then you have the Pettis right. family in Ecuador. They're the largest growers of Connecticut wrapper in the world because you have Connecticut that's grown in Connecticut, USA, Mexico, Honduras, Nicaragua, Costa Rica, Cuba, Dominican, and also Ecuador. Even though it is a Connecticut seed right. or some type of it. And it's considered in every Connecticut shade Conne- tobacco, no matter where it's but from. You, well, you have Connecticut shade, but also you have in Ecuador, it's Connecticut sun-grown. So right. the difference between Connecticut, USA, and Connecticut, Ecuador is Connecticut, Ecuador is sun-grown. Connecticut shade, USA, is grown under shade. But what really makes the difference is the soil and the climate. So in, in Ecuador, in the region where the tobacco is grown, it's 320 days where the clouds are very low. So the effect that the shade would do in Connecticut or in Cuba or in Nicaragua or in Dominican, the clouds does that that takes out between 30 or 35 percent of the sun hitting it directly because what do you want on a wrapper especially you want it to be very elastic you want it to be very thin so like connecticut ecuador in three years it's already you could use it but connecticut usa you have to put it away at least five or six years and this is after you crop it after you you, after you you grow it, you cure it, you for a little bit of fermentation, it's hardly very, very little on that, then you have to put it away. So what happens is, in our case, in a lot of the major companies, we are buying from the same source of tobacco year after year. Now, are the crops gonna be totally different every year? You have a year that rains a lot. What's gonna happen? The leaves are gonna be very big. They're gonna have very light colors on them, hardly any oils and it's going to take less time to be able to work with it than if it would be a crop where it's going to be hardly any rain the veins are going to be very thick thick leaves very oily and very dark so the fermentation process on that let's say on a havano or let's say on arapiraca or a connecticut broadleaf it's going to be a longer time on fermentation and aging and the temperatures let's say on a connecticut broadleaf could go up to 130 to 140 degrees in the fermentation process of it. I so I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say so uh, a little bit like what the way they treat uh, wine grapes. They'll, Very similar. They'll to starve it. the wine grapes a little bit of water to make them more flavorful or to get the desired thing. They'll, they'll control the water amount. Um, so you, what you're saying basically is uh, if you have if you have less uh, water in a season, less rain in the season, you end up with a, a leaf that's going to be a little more intense and a little yes. more, yeah, very much like wine grape. Uh, I've been interested in learning more about Connecticut broadleaf because, um, you know, once you sort of venture into more flavorful tobaccos, you know, you don't smoke as many of the, you know, milder Connecticut shade wrapper type tobaccos and, and discovering that Connecticut Broadleaf was a completely different animal. Was kind of a revelation to me when I when I did that. It's like, man, that is that wrapper can be extremely flavorful and not quite so mild. What what is it about broadleaf that makes it? Is it the way it's fermented? Is it no? It's just it's look. You have Connecticut. You hear the word broadleaf, but you have broadleaf 
grown in the Connecticut River Valley, but you also have broadleaf grown basically in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Even though the leaves are very similar, but I personally like more Connecticut broadleaf because of the sweetness it has. Mm -hmm. Now, when you're working on broadleaf, it doesn't matter if it's Connecticut broadleaf or Pennsylvania broadleaf, it's, a, it's the fermentation process and all the work that has to go into that is more intense than any other type of tobacco you have in the world. Wow. You really have to work it. Wow. So it's a... It's a uh, high work, high reward, sort of a, uh, yeah. a sort of a, a, a wrapper. So. The wrapper on this cigar right here is absolutely gorgeous. By the way, it's just mm-hmm. it's so uniform and and it's got a nice firm uh, nice firm feel to the whole thing. The oily feel uh, to it, a little bit of a toothy kind of leathery kind of feel to it. I love that. Feel like the cigar is made real solid, but the draw on it, and I just skimmed the end of mine with the uh, with the cutter, and the draw is great. That's a Brazilian arapiraca, and a lot of people, and I talked about this in all the uh, blending seminars that I've done all over the world. People don't realize that we all use a lot of uh, can, of uh, Brazilian wrappers. Mm-hmm. The one that we used to use a lot was Matafina, but. The growers in Brazil, because of the yield, started to substitute Matafina for Arapiraca, which has a lot of sweetness to it. It's very aromatic, and it's good to blend with. But also, uh, you have also their version of Corojo, that's a Bayano, that a lot of companies are also using. What a lot of people don't understand, that many years ago, before the boom, we were only smoking cigars with five wrappers. It was Candela. Mm-hmm. Indonesia, Connecticut, Cameroon. Right. And it, it, it was only five wrappers yeah, we were it. using, but now we have so many types of wrapper from so many different origins. So in my 53 years of, uh, uh, of smoking, I can tell you that in the last t- 10 or 12 years, cigars are more rich, more balanced, more flavorful. Because we're working with different origins from a lot of different countries. You have a lot more ingredients to draw from. makes a big difference. A lot of people, when they see in the description of some cigar manufacturer, says Peru. People say, really? They grow tobacco in Peru? In Peru, they grow a Pelo de Oro that's very good. It's very flavorful. You're not going to make a cigar 100% out of Peru because it's not going to work. But if you use like a Peruvian binder or you could use in a blend, let's say, 25% of a viso or a seco or a ligero into it, it really brings out a lot of flavors that you would not pick up in, in different other cigars. It's amazing. Uh, it, the, I guess necessity is the mother of invention. And after the boom, probably the reason that we started sourcing wrapper from so many other places is because we had to get it from somewhere. You know, there wasn't enough to go around oh, because gosh. how much more demand there was uh, back in those uh, mid to late 90s times, you know? <laughs> Forgive my my ignorance on the uh, wrappers too. We keep saying it's a Connecticut wrapper from here, Connecticut wrapper. Does that mean it all came from the same strain, the same? Well, seed it's the same seed, but you have to uh, understand that a lot of these companies, like the Perez, the Olivas, the Placencia, what they have been doing is, uh, depending on on the the yield was, they're always doing a different type of hybrids so and things ever like evolving. that. Oh, it's evolving. Ever evolving, right? So it may have started from an uh, you know a, a Connecticut seed. And then they take it to Brazil, for instance, or... or I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. A lot of people always hear the word Criollo 98 yeah. and Corojo 99. Why was Corojo 99 and Criollo 98 uh, 
not invented, but created. Cuba in 1992 had blue mold that wiped out their whole crop. Then in 93, they had flooding. 94 again, they had the blue mold. So a guy who's considered the godfather and the savior of black tobacco in the world, his name is Umelio Espino. He's the, 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 the most updated gen geneticist in the world. He works, he's retired now, but he was the head in Pinar de Rio of the Cuban Institute of Tobacco. So wow. what was his challenge? Was to create a seed that would be resistant to blue mold and black shank. So that's when they came up with Criollo 98 and Corojo 99. So this guy is, uh, you hear a lot of companies go out and say, well, we use a Cuban seed. Well, guess what, Sherlock? We all use a Cuban yeah, seed. Right. Yeah. So it's like if you take like uh, Criollo Corojo 99 and you grow it in Dominican, let's say in Gurabo or Mao or La Canela or in Hakagua, even though it is the same seed because of the pH, the magnesium and the calcium that the soil has, it's going to taste different. Right. But like if you would grow Habano in Nicaragua, if you grow it in Condega, Esteli, Jalapa or even in Ometepe, it's going to taste totally different. The characteristics, the leaf is going to look the same. But the characteristics are going to be totally right. different. Well, because that, that seed's going to adapt to its surroundings and its soil exactly. as well. We want to talk uh, a bit about E.P. Carrillo, and we want to taste some uh, some Christmas ale from Bell's. And we're going to get to a couple of, I think, more than one whiskey not, today. I'm so. not a big beer drinker, but this is not bad. Uh, I tell you, this uh, St. Arnold Christmas ale is one of our all-time favorites. one of favorites. my absolute favorites mm -hmm. Like I said, I've already, I've already gone through a keg of it. <laughs> Ian and I, we I did buy it when it came out right around right around um uh, uh october late, late october so it's we consider ourselves pretty yeah. lucky to be based in houston and a big part of that is because of how vibrant and creative and wonderful the houston craft oh beer scene is it's yeah. it's it's really you know i have i have friends in austin and i used to live in austin and they're all very proud of the austin craft beer scene i'm telling you I Houston's put Houston where it's at. right well, we up got, there against well, it. We got deep roots in craft beer because St. Arnold's been around for how long now? It's the oldest yeah, craft brewery in Texas. I know that. Right. Yeah. So, and so it's been around since uh, early 90s. Uh, they've been, you know, I remember when I first came into Houston professionally and working in Houston and stuff like that, it was everywhere. It's like you could find a St. Mm -hmm. Arnold Amber Ale everywhere and Brown Ale on Which, tap. by the way, I had an Amber last night. Went to see Brian Setzer Orchestra oh, how at, was that? at Jones Hall. It was fabulous. Yeah, bad. That man can flat out play the guitar. Let me just tell <laughs> a little you. bit, huh? He's amazing. <laughs> uh, but they uh, their selections they had in the you know the concession area there at Jones Hall. It was the one that seemed the best and hadn't had one in a long time. You know, it was we've kind of gone on to the other Saint Arnold. Right. Let me tell you, that's a delicious amber. I found myself in my brain comparing it to Fat Tire. Yeah. Which is kind of a go-to amber. If it's not better, it's just as good. I mean, it's it's a fantastic. And you know, it's it's kind of their. It was their first big success at St. Arnold. Yeah. But I think you know, there's been so much emphasis on all the other great sure. stuff they do uh, that you don't hear as much about it lately. But it's really good. So okay, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back in the next segment. I have some questions about EP Carrillo, and I want to uh, uh, pick your brain a little bit about what's happening at this company. That is making you guys release so many amazing. I mean, the last three or four different EP Carrillo cigars I've smoked have been just fantastic, and I'm starting to feel like you guys are on a roll. So I want to find out how does that happen. I have the answer. For All you. right, good. We'll be back 
uh, with segment number two and taste of little Bell's Christmas ale. You are checking out smoking and toasting. Smoking and toasting. Uh, Hold on. Like I told you before, I got no problem drinking after this, sir. Welcome back. I totally did that. Smoking and toasting. Ian is bogarting the uh, Bell's Christmas Ale. Uh, There's a beer in front of me. (laughs) It's amazing. We are creatures of habit at the end of the day, are we not? Sorry Uh, about that. Welcome back. It's smoking and toasting. It's show number 117. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. They're also in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. Uh, which we ha- still have to go visit. We have not made our Fort Worth road trip yet, so that's definitely on the uh, docket for very, very soon. Uh, coming up, a couple of uh, couple of exciting things. Um, we are going to have, um, in two weeks, Ian's Crazy Beer Show on the program. Uh, it's time to pull out some of the stuff that I've had in my fridge for a little while. Well, see, what happens is when I let Ian bring the beers, the first we always open with the lightest beer. And the first one will be like 10%. And then it just goes <laughs> up from there. And it's like, in my defense, we gotta have the last, some time, here, the last you know? time the latest beer was 8 Okay, fair enough. Percent. What was, what was, where did it go from there? <laughs> well, I have some, I have some fun ones. Okay, yes. So I haven't been allowing Ian to bring beers for the show for a while. So they've been collecting in his refrigerator. <laughs> so we decided we'll just make a show of it Ian's Crazy Beer Show. We're gonna we're gonna do that. Yeah, this so, one's totally different, in my oh, opinion. Boy, you're not kidding. I was just gonna say that because I lit this during. I mean the, the beer. Oh, talking about the beer. <laughs> I was I was talking about the cigar. That there was so much difference in the flavor profile. Of course, from the first one, it's just uh, it almost took me a moment to get used to this new flavor profile and kind of allow it to overtake the first the, one. The first one, but uh, but I, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So, all right. So uh, before we talk tobacco, let's. Taste this since uh, Ian, you've already got a well, head start on us. You want to you want to open with the uh, open with the comments there? I don't know. I, I don't know why I pick a little bit more sweetness on this one. But maybe it's me. This one does have a little sweetness, yeah. um, especially right in the middle of the flavor profile. Boy, right, right, very in the malty. You're right. And did you say this was a Scotch it ale? It is a Scotch ale. Yes. That they added spice to. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Spice. This mm-hmm. is delicious. This is. Okay, so it says traditional Scotch ale is rich and malty with notes of caramel and warm finish. I agree with all of that. <laughs> um, it's interesting because uh, where the St. Arnold, uh, which I'm very familiar with, the St. Arnold one is um, a very baking spice kind of thing. Mm-hmm. This one is more, uh, like you said, it's very sweet, has that caramel kind of finish, has a Scotch ale kind of feel. It's maltier, overall. I think, too. It's maltier yeah. overall. It has a good body to it. Yeah. Goes great with that cigar, by the way. Mm-hmm. Even better than the uh, St. Arnold, uh, this one goes great with the cigar. Um, I'm loving it. Uh, I don't know if I like it more than a St. Arnold as a Christmas ale, but I sure like it equally mm-hmm. as well and as a different thing. And you know I love Scotch ales. So well, I, I like tell you, the flavor Bell's, profile on this just does it for me. Bell's Brewery, Comstock, Michigan, they have yet to let us down. They are just so consistent. And, uh, you know, I would draw a lot of comparison, actually, between them and St. Arnold. Uh, I think Bell's maybe has a larger national profile. They're two-hearted ale. Uh, IPA is generally... 
in those lists at the end of the year it's when people talk amazing. about the best beer. And I, I think, I think, unfairly, St. Arnold does not get considered on the national scale as much. And it's probably because they're just available in Texas. Yeah, it probably is that. But uh, uh, those of you who are... Yeah, uh, they don't get the national exposure. Mm-hmm. And Bells, you know, uh, when we first started the show, I, I was bringing Bells on because um, uh, because I have a family up north. And anytime I go visit or they come visit, I'm like, bring me some Bells. Um, and they have such a great profile of beers. It's I'm so glad that they have distribution here now, which just happened, what, last year, I think, yes, right? Yes, in the last year or so, yes. Um, it's so it, it makes me so happy. The other one I've found too that I like everything from their line is uh, Cigar City. Now Cigar you brought City that in Florida. Yeah, you brought that, that highlight? highlight that time, wow. and uh, and uh, and then the Maduro. Yes, which is the which brown you can ale. find it's, now around here, which oh. is fantastic. Yeah, and they're no. brown ale, and and it's almost like they designed that to go with cigars. And Obviously, it's called Maduro. So. Highlight, by the way, also makes those year-end uh, best beer lists as well. It's a yeah, it's yeah. a really well mm. well respected. And I picked up one of their the loggers that's outstanding as well. So. Well, let's uh, let's talk EP Carrillo uh, just a little bit. First of all, Jose, what exactly does a vice president of a cigar company do? What, what's <laughs> that's what's a great the, question. Well, what's the job <laughs> description? Because it's a great title, and obviously you're overseeing a great many things. But what? Well, I oversee more than anything else is the sales team and also the international part. Like, I go a lot to Europe, I go a lot to Canada, I work with the guys, uh, I'm out every week uh, doing sales events, blending seminars with the guys, uh, helping them out with any kind of problem they have, because, you know, you could be in any industry and it doesn't matter, sometimes, you know, you're going to have people that, to be honest, it's hard to deal with, so... Sometimes the both of us got to go in there and... Uh, I noticed you're looking at Alan when you talk about people that are hard to deal, to deal with. with. <laughs> <laughs> no, That's gotta, just totally a joke. I'm no, sorry. I, I got to tell you something. Uh, I wish uh, we would have more people like Alan. Alan is a is panish, pas- very passionate. He's very honest and very hardworking. And he has done an excellent job for us. Our territory is up in numbers that if we were to say it, a lot of people wouldn't believe it. But he has done a phenomenal job he's uh gotten us in back into a lot of shops we have created a great relationship uh with a lot of stores and to be honest uh he gets uh mostly all the credit he's he's well good for us and it comes across with him it's it's easier to believe a guy who believes his product he's not just selling a product he believes his product and and i will say this too we've talked many times about how smoking and toasting directly impacts sales this show does and alan has now and we'll talk more about this in a few minutes but he has now become the guest we've had on more than any other guest and i'd say it's what was that what was that other guy's name uh we'll, we'll get to that chris to that. chris Christina? something chris chris something <laughs> chris, but chris. i just want to say it does directly impact sales because every time you're on the show i wind up buying some of your cigars in the humidor before i leave <laughs> so just for that reason alone it impacts sales hey, yeah. i'm sure fred is going to love that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we want to talk a little bit more about maduro's uh, uh, as well in a few minutes but tell me about what i would almost call maybe maybe it's not fair to say this but i would almost call what you're going through at ep carrillo right now just uh, I, and i realized the company's relatively new but this it's almost like a renaissance i mean this this brand is really beginning to catch fire pardon the pun um with i mean you've had some amazing reviews uh the quality and consistency of the cigars has 
been, I think, steadily climbing. Um, what, what's going on? How are you guys pulling this off? Well, it started a couple of years ago. Um, you know, Ernesto, of course, his the Gloria Cabana days, his, his dad had that, the, uh, uh, you know, and then Ernesto took it over and he came out with the Gloria Cabana and the Serie R and it just blew up Serie for him. Is just such yeah. a great And job. so then, then uh, he got an offer from a very large company to buy his company and he sold it. And then his son and his daughter said, Dad, let's, let's start another company. You know, you're, you've, you've left that other company and let's do it again. Let's, let's do it. Let's be passionate about it. So he said, okay. So his son and his daughter joined him, Lisette and uh, Ernesto III. And so it was it, truly a family endeavor. I mean, the whole company is family owned. Um, and how many years ago was that? that, that nine years ago, nine almost years 10. Ago. Okay. It'll be 10 next year, early part of next year. And, you know, in the, in the beginning, I, I've always been a big supporter. I love LaGloria. I smoked LaGloria back, way back when. And when I managed the shop that shall not be named, um, of course, one of the first lines that I brought in was E.P. Carrillo. Well, a couple of years, if you looked at E.P. Carrillo a couple of years, three, four years ago, except for some of the lines, the core, the cardinal, which are great cigars, they all looked the same. The bands were very similar. You didn't know I what you were that, picking yes. up. Um, the boxes were a little different, but the bands were almost all the same. Well, Ernesto realized that that was a problem, and he the first thing he did is he rebanded everything. And by the way, the bands on these are absolutely yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, super yes. classic. Yeah. So we, we used the guy, I can't remember his name, the guy in Holland. The, but I yeah. And also Cigar Rings and, and Santiago. So we, you know, we, we use top-notch people that do the banding, top-notch people that our box factory that does the boxes. Ernesto is very passionate about not just putting out a great tasting cigar, not just putting out a great looking cigar, but it being packaged correctly. I think it's all a part of the experience. Really, exactly. If you think about it, and it's one of the reasons I've got such a problem with this um, legislation, like what they passed in Canada now, where they have oh to be yeah. so bland with the uh, packaging in the boxes. Because honestly, this this old timey Cuban looking cigar art. That's not bringing any young people into the cigar store and making them buy uh, cigars. It's not appealing to minors, but it is a part of the experience. When you buy, when you buy a box of cigars, whether it's that style or, or a more modern style, but it's part of the whole experience and what sort of shapes your mind about the cigar is, uh, is the experience of how the box looks, how the individual cigar looks, the band, as well as then the construction. You know, we always that. taste with our eyes first. Of course. Like, that's the way, that's just the way it is. It's, it's happening in craft beer now. One of the things, yeah. because there's such a huge explosion of the different number of brands and the different number of lines from every brand, they're having to get really creative in how they package. Yeah. It's not enough to just, you know, slap a label on it True. anymore. And and it, uh, if you go into a humidor, your eyes are drawn to certain things. Um, one of the things, so our... Our uh, flagship cigar, La Historia. Mm -hmm. If you look at that cigar, it's a beautiful box press, Mexican San Andrean wrapper. It's a 10 count box. The box is gourd, velvet lined box. Box is beautiful. But the cigar itself, the band on it is very intricate. It's gorgeous. And the, the history just in that band mm -hmm. is amazing. Um, there's Ernesto's mom is on one side. Oh. Ernesto's daughter, Lisette, is on the other side. I mean, there's a. There's actually a, yeah. There's actually a thing that we did. I, I, there's a couple shops I've seen it in, but it's it's a large size of the band, and it actually 
uses little lines and it details everything, what all the history, and there's oh, so I'll much have to, to look it. that up. I bet that's yeah, awesome. And one of the things on it is, uh, so he was asking his grandson, what do you think? And he said, oh, Dad, it's perfect. I mean, Grandpa, it's perfect, except it needs a dragon in it. So in that band, <laughs> over on the right side next to, like next to Lisette, there is a, you, you really have to look for it, but there's a little bitty tiny red dragon. That's so great. That he put in it. Fantastic. But the, the band itself is full of history. Yeah. Tell me about this particular cigar we're smoking right now. I know you guys started on yours a little bit earlier than I did because I was finishing up that first one. But this is just, it's, I like to use the word blossoming. As, as it smokes about an inch in, I the flavor it, I consider really, it a flavor bomb. Yeah, yes. the flavor really starts to come well, home. What's interesting, when I first lit this cigar, a lot of cigars start off big and harsh um, on the first, and then they'll settle down in. This one actually started off a little muted flavor-wise, a little pepper on the tongue. Uh, a lot of cedar in this cigar I'm tasting, a lot of the woodsy kind of flavors. Mm, very with a little pepper on the tongue right off the bat, which the pepper kind of has, like you're talking about flavor bomb, uh, flavor bomber blossoming the pepper has spread throughout the palate mm -hmm. and become a, a part of the flavor but not an overwhelming part of the flavor now we have all these other things that are coming in that are uh, incredibly interesting now you're a guy i know this from you know doing 117 episodes of the show with you as well as the one or two other times that we've hung out and smoked together. maybe once maybe twice uh, but you're a guy that doesn't like it when they overdo the pepper no if if, if it's like, there are some cigars that are just pepper bombs, and that's okay for what they are. I'm not generally in the mood for that. I want something with flavor. I don't mind a lot of spice, um, but I want spice with flavor. I like... And I, if it's very single dimension, yeah. that to me is is not very good unless that's just what you want. I like the pepper um, as long as it's not overdone because my favorite thing about the cigars that I love the most is actually the flavor that it leaves in your mouth in the moments in between when you're actually right. puffing on the yeah. cigar. And pepper is a real, uh, the pepper flavors are real good at keeping your tongue sort of tingling uh, in a very pleasant way. And then this has somewhere between like a black and a green pepper kind of Agreed, yes. flavor. Because you know, it's, you it's see, not burning pepper. It's Right. And you see so many going back to talking about the flavor that it leaves in your mouth between. I, I'll be in a shop and I see guys... Yeah. They're chain smoking that cigar. They're they're uh, hot boxing it. They call it with mm -hmm. cigarettes. You're yep. just constantly going, and you see them doing that with a cigar. You're not getting any flavor at. You can't be getting any flavor. Hey, enjoy your cigar the way you want to. But the the way the cigars are made to to be smoked, you're not getting the maximum amount of flavor, the maximum amount of nuance that you should get out of the cigar. You should let it rest. Um, I read something somewhere, and and it's maybe a little far for me, but that you should puff. Once a minute, maybe twice a minute. Wow, I've read that actually as well. I don't know that I gauge it. Uh, I, I pick it up and set it down. But sometimes if I find that I'm puffing a little, if I'm hot boxing a little bit, I'll set it down. You know, and just you can just usually it tell it. the cigar will start burning a little hotter. Yeah. Yep, the flavors are not quite as defined. They're you get a little, little bit of fiery. that metallic taste yeah. to it. You when know, you're it's it's uh, it's it's important. You guys mention uh, the way people smoke. Unfortunately, the people who always. Uh, complain the most about sourness and bitterness are the people that you ask them how long does it take you to smoke a Robusto and they say I do it in 20 minutes flat <laughs> what people don't it's understand what people don't understand is the essential oils that the wrapper the binder and the filler have so when you're blowing smokes fast fast the essential oils are evaporating it's like smoking paper so the rule of thumb is 
If you have 45 minutes to an hour, you pick a Robusto. If you have close to two hours, you're going to pick up a Toro 6x54 or a Churchill. If you want to smoke close to three hours, you pick up a 6 and a half by 64 one of our inches. So I always tell people, before you light up a cigar, what's the first thing you have to do? you got to look at your watch yeah. say, how much time do I have? Because if, if you buy a Toro that's almost a two-hour smoke and you smoke it fast... You're gonna, you're not gonna pick up what the blender intended to really make up with yes. it because right. you're destroying it totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, well I, I always say, you know, you can't really hurry up and smoke a cigar. It's That's just, right. it's just something you don't do. And uh, and so like you're talking about, if you pick a cigar that's too large, you either have to sacrifice half that cigar, which and leave it to rest or smoke it uh, half or, of it correctly. You can't do 120 right. where the speed limit is 60. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's well, a, you that's can, a great way to put it. Like, it's not going to be quite as good. Well, I'm back experience. to like when I first walked in. I was like, you know what? I've got a half an hour. You have a cigar that fits that, and that was awesome. By the way, that was yeah. perfect. Well, uh, we talked about you know the race in cigars. The race actually goes the other way. We had this story on the show earlier in the year that an American actually had displaced uh, the previous winner, previous year's winner from the UK, as the smoking champion, and he got the title. Because he smoked his cigar for the longest. Uh, in other words, he made it last the longest, not... Without relighting. Not, right, yeah. Without relighting, not the opposite, not uh, not hot boxing it and taking it yeah. down too quick. So. I want to real quick give a, a little shout out to, to a friend of Jose's and mine. That's, uh, he's, he's watching his Gabby Caffey. That owns ah. uh, Cafe Cigars. Cafe Cigars. A beautiful little boutique shop. Love their cigars. Uh, they have and some we great love Howard stuff. Too, yeah, oh, Howard's great. He's so fun. Howard's great. Caffey, Caffey's good people. Yeah. I like them a lot. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of mutual respect in the cigar industry that obviously there's competition when i go in and i'm going to buy three or four cigars you know somebody's going to win that sure uh but uh but it seems like the competition in cigars is i don't know it's almost more familial it in, is in nature you know there's a we were jose and i were talking about something yesterday uh something that happened at ipcpr and i won't go into all the specifics of it but this industry is so driven you know most of the guys that own these companies there it's you know they've got each other's cell phone numbers uh the last time i picked up ernesto at the airport he's on the phone with lito and gomez that owns lfd right. mm-hmm. and they talked for a half hour while in the car and i'm telling ernesto things to tell lito because i know him as well and and you know some of the some of the deals that ernesto's done i i watched one at ipcpr with one of our largest accounts and the guy said well ernesto i'll do this but you got to do this okay it's a handshake. handshake there, there's no contracts written. Right. There's no long-term, let's get the lawyers to get these 10-page contracts. It's a handshake deal between these guys because it's all about honor and integrity. And I said I'm going to do it, so I'm going to do it. And you don't find that in a lot of industries yes. like you do in the cigar industry. You know, it seems right. like in, in the craftier industries is where you find that. When the people who have their – the people who do this actually have their hands on what they're doing – that makes all the difference. Sure. I, think, I think craft beer is similar yeah. to that as well. Craft beer is very similar like that. Um, craft spirits are like that. You know, we've met we've met a bunch of people who are independent craft spirits makers, and they they know each other, they like each other. Yep. You know, great. I grew up basically in the radio industry, and it was before three or four companies owned everything. But man, your guy across the street. That was your competition. You hated that guy. I mean, it was uh, if you switch jobs later, you could become friends. But boy, while he was while he was over there, he was your sworn enemy. And what's interesting was we didn't realize it at the time, but the big bosses of him 
And the big bosses of me, the people that owned the companies, they were out playing yeah. golf together, smoking cigars. Yeah. <laughs> and having a steak dinner. But, yeah. you know, yeah. talking about our industry, I've said this for many years. Our industry is the greatest industry in the world because of three things. You're not judged by the color of your skin. You're not judged by religious beliefs. And you're not judged whether you're smoking a $3 bundle cigar or you're smoking a $50 cigar. It doesn't really matter. We're all friends. We all get along. All sorts of types of people come into the cigar shop. Cigar smokers are some of the most generous and fun people. Um, uh, just because, like, you know, anytime I go out and smoke a cigar, if I'm going somewhere that's not, you know, just a cigar shop or uh, somewhere that's very specific cigars, I always bring a couple extra. And I do that because I might smoke more than one, but also I'm sitting there smoking a cigar and people come up and they talk to me about it. I get a lot of people who are not necessarily cigar smokers or, or, or somewhat, you know, like I smoke a cigar here and there, and I always hand out a cigar. I've had it where I've been at places and, and seen a guy smoke a cigar. Oh, what are you smoking? And we start talking. He's like, here, have a cigar. I mean, and, and what's funny is, you know, cigars are not cheap. Not at all, but people just hand them out. And oh, you're yeah. right. Nobody judges. Yeah. Nobody judges whether your cigar is $3 Here, or $15. This. Yeah. One of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Renaissance Festival. We were out there yeah. camping. We were out there for four days. And I bet during those four days, I bet I gave away as many cigars as I smoked right. over the four mm -hmm. days. Whenever me and Cam that was on the show with mm -hmm. me at Stogie's, yep. we go out there, we camp, we take the families, we make a whole deal of it. And, you know, we're inside the festival, we're smoking. And then when we're back out and we're camping and around the barbecue and the fire, we're smoking continuously. And yeah. people are, same thing. People are, hey, smoking cigar? Yeah. Come join us. You know, uh, when my wife and I were first dating, I remember she's the one that introduced me to Ian because he was someone she'd known for years and uh, worked in bands with and things like that. And I remember when she said, oh, yeah, you got to come out and meet uh, Ian and his, at the time, his, his girlfriend said, you'll, I remember very specifically, you'll like him. He's a cigar smoker. Like, that was the only qualification connection, the connection. That, was, that was needed. And it turns out we have other things in common, too, but... The point is, if, if you just and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like it was immediately, I knew we'd have something <laughs> in common that would make the conversation at least somewhat, uh, somewhat interesting. Uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break. Be back for segment number three. We're going to try, <clears throat> Ian. I'm going to lay one on you here, buddy. Uh oh. Um, I discovered. You know, I didn't even look at show notes, so this is all a surprise to me. I discovered that Dogfish Head has a 75 minute IPA. You know, I saw that and haven't tried it. Well, you'll be trying it next. Well, I'll be trying well, it next. I saw that. I have seen that. Sorry. I'm I saw English. it. <laughs> I done seen it. I done seen it. Uh, <laughs> so we'll be right back with that, plus more talk about E.P. Carrillo, cigar tobacco, and uh, we will wade very carefully into a short discussion about the uh, pending regulations on the cigar industry. Coming up <laughs> with my buddy here, uh, Alan. Uh, coming up next, it's Smoking and Toasting. Welcome back, my friends. It's Smoking a Toast, and it's show number 117. And still, no one has put a stop to this uh, to this madness. You know, so. it's funny you say that, because we are actually smoking. Yeah. And toasting. And toasting. Well, so, <laughs> before we talk about this 
particular beer because this was a this was an awesome. To be honest, this is the one I like the best. I'm not surprised, Jose. Can you do you have that container? Oh yeah, we got to show this. Alan Denny, who is one of the reasons he's such a great guest on the show. Alan Denny, friend of Smoking and Toasting. One of the reasons he's a friend of the show is because he always brings something amazing, and he brought this from Southern Star Brewing in Conroe. It's a Buried Hatchet Stout Variety Pack. Doesn't say anything on the on what the APV is on them at all. So. Well, it, Buried Hatchet starts at ten percent. Yeah. So so you have poured, and I'm going to show this to the camera. The Southern Star S'mores malt beverage with natural flavors added. This starts with Buried Hatchet, and I don't know what they added, but I know it's amazing. Ian, thoughts? Um, Up to now, it's my favorite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and not a, and like I said before, I'm not a big well, Buried Hatchet is one that I go to. Now, you have to go to it with uh, kid gloves because it is 10% to start, okay? Right. Um, but it's so good, and anything they add to it, apparently, this is their s'mores version. Can I see that can for just a moment? This is their s'mores version, and uh, this is malt beverage uh, with natural flavors added. It just says s'mores. It's outstanding. It's it's sweet. It's delicious. The mouthfeel on it is it's a nice full mouthfeel without being... Uh, without being overly thick or anything like that but it's enough to make you feel like hey i i'm really you know got a lot of flavor going on here it's fantastic yeah. it's it just a lot going on yeah. it really does you it's know i got back into town from dallas last week and I, I went over to one of those nice big liquor stores and i uh, was just walking through the craft beer stuff looking for something i saw that huge can and when i first saw it i thought is that a giant buried hatchet <laughs> and turned because I, I was it buying it anyway. Like, it yeah. looks like a mini keg, actually. Yeah, and, and so then mm-hmm. my, my second thought was, oh, is this a little mini pony keg type deal? Right. Uh, kind of like what uh, Heineken does mm-hmm. and some of those. And when I picked it up and it, it rattled. Variety pack, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm in. I, yeah. This is great. At no point during that were you not buying it. No. no yeah. I, it was in my hand. It was directly in the cart. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, Southern Star up in uh, Conroe, that's, that's about an hour and 15 north of here. About four hours in traffic, but about an hour and 15 north if there's no traffic. Um, I call it South Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> um, man, they have a great lineup of beers. They have the, uh, the Bombshell Blonde, Blonde, which is a great mm-hmm. blonde ale. They, yes. have, uh, they have their uh, Pine Belt uh, Pale Ale, which is mm-hmm. a very hoppy. It's, it's a that's very, very Almost an IPA, if yeah, you ask me. Almost an IPA. Then they have their IPA. Called. I mean, they have such great beers, but their, their biggest... Best beer, as far as I'm concerned, is their Buried Hatchet. It is a stout that is so chalk. It is a chocolate flavor bomb of ridiculous proportions, um, and uh, and it goes with cigars in a most fantastic way. Uh, it goes with most things. Ice cream. You can make an ice cream float with that stuff, and it's unbelievable. And I I don't even have to ask. Have you actually done that? Oh yeah, because I know you have. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny that you guys uh, are talking about uh, IPAs and that and. Uh, to me, uh, one of the most knowledgeable people about when it comes to uh, scotch and, and bourbon and beer is uh, my good friend Alan, which is a good friend of yours and of the show. But if you look at our industry, like when I started, what would you regularly see people, you know, pairing up? They were talking about a rum and a scotch, not even a good scotch. Right. So if you look at the last six or seven years, look at how the prices of scotch and bourbon have gone up. Yeah, mm-hmm. But also, if you're on Instagram or on Facebook or, you know, into those uh, chat rooms, 
you see how much people are willing to go from a regular, I don't want to mention brands, beer that maybe is $2 and people buying stuff that's $5, $6, $10, and they are enjoying it because they're looking more towards the quality that's right. than the quantity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's so absolutely th- right. if you look at our industry overall, because it's not only our cig- it's cigars, but you've got to throw in the bourbon, you've got to throw the beer, yeah, right. you've got to throw the scotch. So the pairings now, and I look at them on Instagram and people that you know inbox me on stuff. Like I said, sometimes I have... Uh, a question about scotch. I call him up right away. Like somebody gave me a bottle of something the other day. I didn't even know what the hell it was. I know it cost $189. Well. And I had to ask him about it, to him to tell me about the scotch. Because even though I'm not a big drinker, but I look at the market, how it has evolved, you know, with different beers and things like that. And, you know, what you guys do is, is really bringing out the knowledge and making people go to the next level. Like spend 2 or $3 more. It's worth it. Yeah. When, well, because... Smoking a cigar, much like drinking a craft beer, and a lot of things in life, it's an experience. It's not just, I'm going to sit and smoke a cigar. It's, I want to sit and experience a cigar. You're paying money for this. Right. You know? It's it's well, not. I'm it, sorry, go ahead. It's true with cigars. It's true with spirits. When I was, I, Probably no place for me is a better example than tequila, which is probably my favorite spirit at the end of the day. I love a wonderful tequila. And when I was in my 20s, it was all about quantity. It was about doing <laughs> shots and hanging with your friends and throwing them back and, you know, partying. But the older I get, I don't want that tequila I used to do shots with that requires salt and a lime to actually taste good. I want tequila I that I can sip. It's more about I don't quality think than ever, quantity. We have never harmed a salt or a lime on this show. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Maybe in a cocktail would be the only Maybe, thing. Maybe, right? Yeah, it would be the only thing. <laughs> Well, you, you know, uh, I was just going to say one more thing that pairs great with cigars. A lot of people don't think about it, but I think it's actually uh, even more traditional than spirits and beers in general is coffee. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's my favorite pairing. Coffee. We should really do a coffee show because I am, I am blissfully ignorant in the coffee world. But. You know, I got turned out. I got, uh, Manny over at uh, El Cabano mentioned that one time. We had coffee with his cigars that day when we did our show over yep. there, and it was so outstanding. When I went over to Ybor City, um, the culture there is so cigar and so interesting to me, and it's coffee shops and cigars everywhere. Coffee shops, coffee shops, coffee shops, mm-hmm. everywhere, and all the coffee shops. Did you shops. go to Don Barco? Yeah. Uh, you know, I did not. They have. I was there. I was there on Thursday with Jeff, and they have a new owner now because Don had the shop for like forty years. They make some of the best coffees there. So if you ever, nice. there's two things in Ebor City to go to Don Barco's shop and eat at Columbia. Oh yeah, we oh, yeah. absolutely. Columbia did, it so is good. a. It's a must. Mm-hmm. I think we did. We even post. I have a video from uh, eating over there where they came out with the drinks and did the drinks and stuff at the table. It's unbelievable. Yeah, that that restaurant's so, hundred years old. Yeah. Speaking of uh, videos, by the way, next week as a part of the show, we'll be uh, featuring the video that I shot at the Brewers' Table in Austin, a wonderful new restaurant in Austin that I not only had dinner with dinner at, but went back the next day to do a short segment and uh, sample uh, some of their. Uh, homemade brews, just absolutely oh, can't wait to see outstanding. That. So, uh, looking forward to that. We were mentioning Alan uh, Denny on the show, and I, I, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about this. Alan is now the owner of a very dubious distinction in our industry, and that is that he has now appeared more times on Smoking and Toasting than anyone else up until today's show. Look at taking that celebratory drag on the cigar. I love it. 
Uh, up until today's show, it was a tie was. between you and our uh, our good friend Christopher Hart. Uh, but now you've uh, you've inched past him. Um, do you have any thought? Uh, why this became a deal? I'm not really sure <laughs> because it's not like we're that discriminating, really, in terms of in terms. I mean, don't get me wrong. We've had some great guests. Today's an amazing example of that. <laughs> but you know, we haven't been all that disc. We've we've let lots of you know. Wacky people on the show. Last uh, week, you know, a friend of mine showed up to hang out at the show, and we just put him on. Yeah, he you know, had, and he, he was, was awesome. He was great. Yeah, he was. <laughs> but uh, but Alan, do you have any any thoughts or messages for Chris now that you have uh, moved into the driver's seat? I love you, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, um, it, it it I honestly don't know where you know I, I I was first. We talked about this before. I was first on with y'all at uh, Whiskeys of the World. Yeah, yes, yeah. Years that's ago. right. And and uh, you've had me recurring since then, and I love you guys, and I love the show. I love, you know, when I'm on the road and y'all are doing one and I'm making that 14-hour drive to St. Louis or that 10-hour drive to Oklahoma City and y'all are on, I do book on tape a lot when I drive. Right. Jose and I love reading the or listening to, the, like, John Grisham or James Patton yeah, criminal sure. books. Oh, yeah, those things are and, great. But if I'm listening to one of those and it comes because I have my notification when Smoking and Toasting comes on live – you know, it comes up on my on my Blink. feed, and so I'll turn the book off, Bluetooth, and I'll listen to to the show while I'm going up. Uh, you know, y'all have some great people on. The show is great. Uh, We've been the very whiskey fortunate. sniff is was a blast. That was so um, much fun. We had so you know, thank you and, so much. By oh, the yeah, way, I had a, so I much had fun. A, I had a blast with that. And, thank y'all. And we should, by the way, thank you again for providing cigars for the course, whiskey sniff. That was uh, it. Would not have been the same without. Uh, Without the cigars you provided, you know, and there, there were there were I I met some great people at that that I didn't know, uh, you know, with with my deal with Chris and the Houston Whiskey Social, and uh, that Chris was there as well, and Jorge and Jenny uh, from yep. Stogies that are big supporters, but uh, you know it was it, it's been a blast meeting people uh, coming on, uh, you know. Had y'all not had me on when I did cigars, wouldn't have met. Got to meet Adam, another great guy. Got to got to live vicariously and watch his wedding in Mexico. That uh, was a couple so much weeks fun. Ago. <laughs> so yeah, so it, it's been great getting to know y'all and being on the show, and and I enjoy it. And how the friendly <laughs> rival with me and Chris started. I, I, I think it started at the hundred episode. We were talking I, about I being on have, there, yes. that how much we had been on, and then it just kind of. It went from there, and then I was so distraught when y'all had a show and had both of us on it. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't have a chance to move ahead. Yeah. Well, actually, so uh, I, I'm going to foment this because uh, it's it's okay that you're one ahead because that guarantees that we're going to have Chris Hart on a show sure, coming up absolutely. here in the near future. You we, mentioned actually before the show that he's in Kentucky, right? Right. Yeah, they're yeah. doing some barrel picks up there. I know they did a Four Roses, and, and I can't remember what all that. And picked. when he's watching this, I was I didn't know he was out of town. I was thoroughly expecting him. To pod crash this episode. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if I, I still think it could happen somehow. If he hadn't been in Kentucky, I'm sure he would be walking through the front door of Maduro's right now. If he was to right call now. in right now, I would put the mic against my phone. That would be hilarious. <laughs> it wouldn't count, but that would, would be hilarious. <laughs> uh, you know, we were even trying to, uh, uh, was it, what was the show where a bunch of us called in? Was that the 50th? It was the 50th, 50th. show. We had people and, call and in. Yeah, and, yeah, so we had called in and I was joking because we were out at lunch and I, I was like, yeah, you know, or no, it was the hundredth, and I was like, well, you know, but I was on the call in, and Chris was like, I did it too. I was like, ah, oh, son <laughs> of a gun. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it, it, you know, it's been really uh, fun doing the show, and and what has amazed me is how much I've learned. I mean, I 
I've never claimed to be an expert in any of the things we talk about. Right. I just enjoy them. Uh, but how much I've learned, you know, things like even some of the things that Jose was talking about, about, uh, about different leaves and wrappers uh, and, and the blending of cigars. These are things you just don't quite get those by reading interviews. No. And I've read some great interviews in the cigar magazines with some of the, you know, rollers and the, and the, uh, uh, the blenders who've made some of the iconic blends. But I am so constantly just absolutely fascinated by blenders and how, because when you pick up a cigar, whatever that cigar is, whatever flavor that cigar is your favorite one, Every like you said, every year is a different year for the crops. The the tobacco leaves are going to have some differences in the flavor, and a blender takes all that and creates consistency out of that. Not only do they create brand new, wonderful blends, and that's kind of like the rock star side of it, right? But the fact that you have blenders out there that can recreate out of an organic thing that changes from year to year the exact same or as close to it profile as possible is just unbelievable. Sure. There's, there's so many variables. Well, you know, you look at Ernesto, and and my opinion, he's one of the best in the world at doing it. Um, you know, and, and, of course, his claim to fame is Big Green Gauge Cigars, and that's, I mean, he, mm-hmm. he no one was doing that. He, he did that. You know, I know that's not as hugely popular right now, but I love Big Green Gauge Cigars. You'd I be, really do. Ian, you'd be, be surprised. surprised. You'd be really? Surprised. Is, it, is, is it becoming more popular? Is, no, it's the last three or four years. It's, uh, it's blowing up. Uh, I love you know, that. See, well, Hopefully, maybe in the next segment, we'll get Fred on for a few minutes. But we were just talking about this, that this shop is really leaning towards Big Green Gauge. You take somewhere like Stogie's, and a lot of it bases itself on the owner of what the owner's smoking. Mm-hmm. Take Stogie's and Jorge. His favorite size is a Lancero. Right, he loves he is the Lancero capital of the United States. When <laughs> it comes to I don't doubt that, yeah. You know, how many shops? I don't love anybody. I don't love any shop in the country that has as many personal blend Lanceros that are blended for that shop That's as right. Stogie's does. That's his favorite size. Jenny loves Lanceros. They like a little bit smaller ring gauge. Of course, they do well with bigger ring gauge. Don't get me wrong. But you've got Fred, who Fred, his favorite is a bigger ring gauge cigar. Ringmaster is one of his favorite cigars. And so you've got guys that come in and go, oh, Fred, what are you smoking? Oh, I'm smoking a ringmaster. Oh, how is it? Man, it's great. I love the cigar. Oh, well, I'll get one. Yep. Right. They, they want to sit down and have a conversation with the it's, owner. It's, it's an experience. And, oh, I'll try what you're trying. Hey, this is a good cigar. And they start smoking. And that's one of the wonderful things about the brick-and-mortar side of the cigar mm-hmm. industry is because these shops, you can walk in. I, I love, you know, Ian talks about this all the time, the ability to walk in and go, what am I smoking today? And I have do. Somebody I put it right just, out there. And like, have somebody just uh, say, something. well, uh, have you tried this? Blah, blah, blah. You know, and just, just move right to uh, something that's that's maybe not on your radar. And I, and I love that. But that's got to be absolutely huge for... Guys like you guys who are in the business of selling cigars, that's why you've got to really cultivate these retail relationships and sure. make sure these people know about your cigars and know the stories behind them, too. And I think yeah. that's important. You um, know, and, and on for us, the big green gauge, like I said before, it's Ernesto. Yeah. It, One of the problems, the biggest and only real problem I have with big ring gauge cigars is sometimes I look at my humidor and I think, I've got 45 minutes. Right. <laughs> and I look yeah. at my humidor and I'm like... I don't know if I have a 45-minute cigar. Yeah, I know. Everything's much bigger than that. Yeah, I understand that. I have to intentionally, like when I walk into a shop, I recently especially, I've been intentionally going, okay, I'm going to buy a couple smaller ring gauge choices just mm-hmm. to toss in there. Yep, yep, that's right. Um, I, I wanted to 
draw our attention to this uh, IPA because you've poured it and you've already been sampling it. I haven't tried it yet. This is the Dogfish Head 75-minute, and you might grab the bottle, in because I think there's some description on this. But one of the things that always worries me when I'm having a great cigar, and I haven't tasted this yet, so I don't know. I love IPAs. It's actually my personal favorite style when it comes to craft beer. But so many of them do not go well with cigars because they have a tendency to have a little more hoppiness, bitterness to the flavor profile that doesn't always mesh the way something like the uh, Southern Star S'mores did, for example. Yeah. Uh, You've had the first of this. IPAs can fight cigars a lot of times just due to the just to the inherent style. Right. You know, um, but I will tell you, you got to leave it to Dogfish Head to bring up something. Like, first off, I think that their 90-minute IPA might be, like, one of the absolute pinnacles of the style. Like, that is such a good IPA overall. Um, and it will go well with certain cigars. It's not with everyone. I don't want to sound ignorant. Could you, because I'm not, like I said, big enough. Could you explain this thing, you know, in a small capsule? 90 minute. What does that mean? Um, it, it's well, it's the name of their cigar, or name of their cigar, name of their, uh, it's the name of their beer. They call it a, uh, they have a 60 minute IPA, which I think is right at 6%, I think is how that started. And correct me if I'm wrong, anybody out there. Um, uh, and then their 90 minute was a 9% IPA. Okay, so the minutes is related to the, uh, yeah. in this particular and, case, I think it's where, I mean, uh, and I think that that's just a, that's just okay. what they decided yeah. to call it. They're the only ones that. I know of that describe their beers in minutes, right? Because they <laughs> also have they also ones. have a hundred and twenty minute IPA, which is amazing, but it usually tops out at about eighteen percent instead wow. of a see. I think of it. You know? I think of it more as the amount of time you should take to drink a bottle, <laughs> because that if if you're drinking the hundred and twenty, you may want to stretch that baby over. A couple so of hours. they they just came out with the seventy five minute IPA, and, it and says, it's a limited. I think it says off centered art series. Um, and uh, of course, the the artwork on the front is fantastic. It has a mad scientist with some hops and some uh, sixty minute a uh, bottle of sixty minute IPA and some hops and and uh, it looks like a bottle of maple syrup. And it says on the side, ale brewed with maple syrup. So well, they obviously added uh, maple syrup to this. They came up with an IPA that is sweet. Yeah, this it, thing that's very unusual too. Well, not only are their IPAs more balanced and malty than most IPAs generally. But this has that maltiness, but then it has that super sweet finish with a little snap from that IPA hoppiness that you expect. It's it's an interesting blend. This is a very intricate beer, if you and, ask me. And I will say, while it may not match up as well as the uh, as the uh, Southern Star did, the maple and the um, maltiness, uh, the maltiness yeah. is keeping it from fighting with the cigar. Right. And it's actually... Uh, it's actually going rather well together. Yeah, because a lot of times you get the bitter finish on an IPA that will just fight that cigar. Um, and I profile. often save my IPAs yeah. for when I'm not smoking, so so I can enjoy that flavor profile without it being something that will fight the cigar. I really think that every time y'all have me on, y'all try and find the funkiest IPAs <laughs> y'all can because they well, both you're know not a, you're not I'm, an IPA. I'm guy. not an IPA guy. I'm not an IPA. I'll try. I'll try every one they give me. There was one we had, um, I, I, I couldn't remember, we were doing uh, some of the Oktoberfests at, mm-hmm. uh, in the, when we were in the studio, it was me and Chris. And there was one, it was okay, it wasn't bad. I was like, I, I, could, I, could, I could drink this. Mm. But in general, I'm just not a fan. And I honestly think part of it is, most of the time when I'm drinking beer, I'm smoking. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, that and, probably and has a lot to do. I was because there is there is one IPA that I really enjoy. It's the only one that I know of myself that I'll find in the grocery store and I'm looking, I may buy it. And it's more cowbell. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yes. And I enjoy that beer. Now, now, if you pair a good IPA with a good rye whiskey, that will that will go generally. Oh, with you a mean cigar. pour the rye whiskey into no, it no, so no. I kill the no, taste? No, no, no. Just drink them. <laughs> <laughs> this is not. Uh, what would, that's not a boiler maker. That'd be. That'd I don't know what you call know what that destruction. Yeah. <laughs> it's a crock pot. Or I think something. we're going to call that. Uh, we're going to call that an Uber. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but no, I mean, because uh, an IPA and a good rye rye whiskey pair really well together um and then a cigar with that something about the whiskey negates a lot of the bitterness from the ipa and the cigar goes well with it of course well, cigars and whiskeys go great together. Know, one of the things that i always talk about this uh when i'm doing seminars that a lot of people unfortunately are very confused on pairings because at the end of the day we all have a tolerance scale that goes from one to ten i could go to the factory seven o'clock in the morning after coffee and toast and smoke a full body cigar be at ease there's people that go out have a 22 ounce steak with two big idaho potatoes <laughs> and a half a dozen crispy cream donuts you give them a mild cigar they go oh, 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 oh it's too strong no the cigar is not too strong what you have is a very low tolerance scale so sometimes at the shops i see people reading a review from a magazine and the review says the cigar was medium to full. It had uh, hints of almond and sweet notes of whatever and this and that. So they try to smoke the cigar and try to pick up the same thing. It's never going to happen right. because taste is subjective. What yes. you eat, what you smoke, if it's hot, if it's cold, if you're sitting next to an asshole, everything can affect the cigar. Oh, that's absolutely right. I'm actually surprised sometimes that you and I will pull the same flavors out of a, yeah. uh, out of a cigar. Because uh, it's it is such a subjective thing, it is. and I I love I talk about this on the show from time to time. I love sometimes reading some of these online cigar reviews where they're so detailed about the flavors they're pulling out. You know, roasted uh, uh, it has flavors of roasted lychee nuts dipped in hot chocolate. What you know? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, it's just you know sometimes it's just. It's, it's a little over the top. A little yeah. over the, the top. Best one, the best one I've ever heard, I can't remember who posted it, was cigar was medium to full, bada bing, bada bang, and then the finish, it had a hint of blueberry muffin. <laughs> Not just blueberries. Blueberry, blueberry muffin. muffin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I've pulled, you know, I've pulled some strange flavors out of cigars, and I, I try to just zen it. I'll sit there and smoke a cigar, and I don't try to force flavor ideas into my head. I go, what am I tasting? And I'll, and sometimes I'm like, there's something I just don't know what it is. But I've had cigars where I taste citrus, yes. which is a little strange to mm-hmm. me, you know, coming out of a cigar, but you know, it's there. Um, the cigar that I had uh, right before this had a, a tanginess to it that was a mm-hmm. little bit like that, and a mm-hmm. lot of cedar, which I really thought was fun um, in the flavor, and I'm not sure if that had something to do with what I'm drinking or what I ate before probably, I got here. I mean, probably. it all has something to do with it. Uh, you mentioned whiskey a few moments ago. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we actually are going to try a couple of different whiskeys. I've brought with me today a Jefferson's Reserve Twin Oak Custom Barrel. Nice. It's a straight bourbon whiskey. It's actually a new release from Jefferson's Reserve. Very excited about trying that. But then Alan, who can not stand to be one-upped, uh, <laughs> has gone totally uh, off the deep end with one of the more rare... Yeah. Bottles of Glenmorangie. He, he, I've ever he seen. went. He went totally Chris Hart on this, and yes. and got something for us to try that you can't get. Yeah, not yeah. only can you not get it, but 
you can't get it on this side of the globe. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you you might get it if you're in what Dubai? Did the, you say? Yeah, Middle East. You know, okay. somewhere over so, there. So so uh, what? Tell tell us real quick about this Glenmorangie. So it's taste the. Uh, Glen Morangy, the uh, Legend series. Okay. Um, they do these legends, and they only release them for international travel, and they're only available in certain duty-free shops in certain airports. So oh, you can fantastic. get this one at that one, this one at that one, this one at that one, and this one came from the other side. Oh, I'm going to have to con- have a conversation with And it's funny that, that you mentioned that because uh, in September I was going, when I go home I always go through uh, Istanbul, Ankara that has one of the best duty frees. That duty free and the one in London. If you want to really find rare, rare stuff, and I saw it, and I can't remember the price of it, and I said, ah, it's a little bit out of my league. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll try this. I don't know what the price is on this. We'll try this as well as the uh, Jefferson Reserve coming up in our next segment. It's smoking and toast, and thank you for watching. Welcome back. It's Smokin' and Toastin'. We are live at Maduro's uh, in what I consider to now be, by the way, the cigar capital of Texas, League City, Texas. Yeah, this place is crazy. It's, it, it's, it's like nuts how much cigar activity there is yeah, here. There, and more to come, I understand. There's a lot. You know. we, hadn't, uh, we hadn't talked a lot about this lounge in particular other than the fact that it's uh, formerly the man cave. This place has such a great feel. Well, let's let's have Fred on for just a... Hey, hey Fred. Yeah. <laughs> okay. yeah, I'll abdicate my position for a minute. Yeah. Well, here, come on. Well, Fred, come over here. Or what, we could fit him in. What I love about this place is that when, when the uh, man cave uh, disappeared for all of the dubious reasons yeah. that it disappeared, uh, Fred was able to come in, sort of salvage the uh, the ashes, so to speak, and uh, and create what is already, I think doing even better than the man cave ever did yeah so uh, i'll give a little background a little fred talk for a minute and, and the reason jose's in town is uh you know we set up a couple of months ago i set up a christmas party with fred this is my second event doing with him um when the predecessors went out of business uh well over a year ago um this was an empty shell uh, the furniture was here the humidor was there the televisions were hanging but it was there was nothing there were you know 10 cigars on the shelf and and Fred is a cigar connoisseur, big ring gauge guy. As a matter of fact, he's smoking a Ringmaster right now. <laughs> and uh, Fred talked it over with the landlord, and he bought the the building. And you know, um, this is this is not the man cave. This is Maduro Cigar Lounge, and Fred has turned this into one of the premium shops in Houston. He is doing in sales, customers support what the man cave was doing in its prime. And he's only been open a year. This the Christmas party is not only his Christmas party, but his one year anniversary party. Congratulations! I think, it, I think you opened the Monday after Thanksgiving last year. Right, was the right. I can't remember what the day was, but yeah. Yeah. it was that twenty six. And so he has been. Uh, I, I consider Fred a good friend. Um, he was a customer here. He uh, he was a VIP member, and it was funny to come in and see, you know he was here every Sunday watching football with friends, and then uh, for him, I got a phone call one day asking uh, if I could give him a hand with something, and I had no idea what. And then uh, 
I'll let Fred kind of talk a little bit about Maduro's and. Yeah, Maduro's was kind of my my brand. Like I said, I was an avid smoker at the man cave uh, when it, back in the day, and I give props to uh, they did a great job with with design, designing this place. Uh, we kind of came in with an idea to cater to the suburban cigar smoker. So our our whole business concept was to bring in first of all what the people in this area like to smoke. Right. And that, that kind of worked for us. And uh, like I say, Alan was a big influence on uh, getting cigar brands. Of course, EPC was the first brand we, <laughs> we, we <laughs> brought surprising. in. <laughs> this EPC. Is your, it's a great product. This you know? is your home yes, tour. It's my yes, home store. Yes, EPC was the first brand we brought in, and it kind of just kind of took off from there. And then basically, we've been having a really good time. Uh, we've been having a good time, got great clientele, and uh, got a lot of great vendors stop in and, uh, and, and had a good time doing it. Is this... Is this something, is owning a cigar lounge something that you thought about a lot before? Is this like a dream of yours, or is this something that just kind of came up and you said, I'm going to dive in? Well, I mean, you know, like I said, I'm, you know, I, I'm an owner of another company, but I, I'm, I'm an average cigar smoker. I'm not a connoisseur by any means, uh, but I love cigars, and I love the place. And, and, and I was listening to people talk about, hey, you know, I hope this place stay around for a while. So when it happened to, to, to go out of business, I came up with an idea to keep it keep it going. Is it harder, you think, to launch a, a successful cigar store and lounge on the ashes of a uh, one that ultimately wasn't successful, <laughs> or or do you think uh, do you think it might have been easier if you were, you know, doing it in a brand new location somewhere? Well, it came with a lot of worries, of course. I mean, you know, everybody wants to know why, you know, why. What why, happened? Right. Yeah, and, sure. and, and practically, I didn't really know the whole story and what happened. Uh, but Maybe uh, that's best. Right. <laughs> so we basically uh, built a concept on some really good relationships. Uh, relationships are everything in this business. Yeah. I keep saying it over and over. It really is what it's about. I mean, it's obviously, you've got to have quality right, tobacco. Right, right. But relationships are what keeps the whole lifeblood of it moving and it's it's a it's a, it's a really really huge thing and i think that's why you've done so well in your first thank year you. thank you. It's, you it's funny that uh, you mentioned that because when i met uh fred for the first time we kind of hit it off and the first thing uh i told and i tell a lot of people what do you sell in a cigar shop first thing that comes out of the mouth is cigars and i go like eh, strike one <laughs> then they go like what cutters humidors matches eh, strike two and i don't let them strike out so i tell them what you sell is an experience that's right that's right that's right and we were talking about that that's today right. that's right <laughs> and that's why you've got to have and you guys have a very well apportioned well stocked humidor but it, that's part of the experience you go in a place and the humidor is too small you may pick up a couple of things to smoke but it's not the same as that feeling of walking around taking a look at what's there browsing through uh, i've said this before I'll rush in and out of a department store if I need to buy a pair of shoes or something like that. I'll do it as quickly as I can. The only place where I enjoy the process of shopping is in a cigar <laughs> store. I love right, right. wandering right. aimlessly through the humidor. I'm the guy that's in there for so long that you guys start worrying, what's he doing in there? Like, uh, <laughs> You know, I think uh, cigar shop culture has changed a, a little bit in the last... 10 years when i first started I, uh, I mentioned earlier i started smoking cigars in roughly 2005 and it was intimidating i'd walk into a cigar shop and there are a few uh, around where you walk in and they have a private club but you don't know anything about it 
And, you know, so I ended up going in and grabbing cigars and leaving and smoking them on my own. Never, you never stop right. smoking cigars. When you have a place like this where you walk in, and this whole place is a lounge, and then there's a humidor. Right. A lot of places aren't like that. A lot of places are a shop with a humidor, and then they have, they right. have a private lounge in the back, which is a nice thing if right. you know stuff about it or right. if you're privy to it or if you can afford it, those kind of things. But you walk into a place like this, and I see more and more shops becoming like this, where you walk into a lounge and you buy a cigar. And one of the interesting things, if you're watching this and you're ever wondering, you know, how do I get into that culture without feeling weird or awkward, okay? You know, because it's, you know, we're all guys. We don't want to ask, right, you know. Right. <laughs> the thing is, you walk into a cigar shop, light up a cigar, and that's all it takes. People will start talking to you. You're chatting. Next thing you know, you're having a seat. You talk to the guy next to you. You know, uh, if a guy's sitting there with headphones on, obviously he wants to do his own work, but the guy uh, the guy across from you probably doesn't have headphones on. He'll start, hey, what are you smoking today? It right. starts rolling like That's that, right. and this place has a great feel to it. Like oh, thank that. you. Thank well, you. It's funny. I, I've been in here, and I've watched uh, uh, Mickey, who uh, one of his employees, and I've seen Fred do it. And you'll see a guy walk in, and you can tell it's his first time. He's looking around, looking at the TVs. Goes in, he gets a cigar, he comes up. He's checking, you know, fixing to check out. And the first thing they ask is, oh, are you a member? Well, they know the guy is not a member. But it's, uh, no, I'm not. Oh, let me show you the member's lounge. And then they'll take them over, show them the member's lounge. And when, they, when you see the, the private member's lounge, then you've got the public lounge. It's something you want to be a part of. They, you know, everybody's welcome here. You know, and, and they'll, they, hospitality to everybody. It doesn't matter if it's your first time in the shop or if you've been coming here since the day you opened the door. It's uh, the hospitality in this shop is just amazing. Yeah, we, we pride ourselves on good customer service, and, and, and everyone feels welcome. Whether you're a first-time smoker or you've been smoking all your life, uh, we pride ourselves on making you feel comfortable and learning more about cigars and, and enjoying the whole ambiance. I'm guessing, too, that this time of year you get customers who are not smokers, who That's are coming right. in because they have a smoker on their uh, Christmas list, right. and they're looking to uh, find gifts, and those people are the ones that need help the most, right? <laughs> That's right. Because That's they come right. in and That's they right. don't know what they're That's looking right. for, may That's not right. even know what the person on their gift list likes especially to smoke. Especially the women. Yeah, especially right. women. That's right. that's absolutely right. true. Right. They just know that their husband or uncle or brother or whoever they're uh, buying for likes cigars and they and they need help. That that would have to be one of the more fun challenges. I'm sorry, I do you think. have any It's a Boys? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do, actually. <laughs> no, but he does have some really nice gift packs made yeah, up. Right. That that's, right. that's really that's smart, right. too. Yeah. That's, right. that's really smart. Uh, I want to mention, as Ian is pouring the Jefferson's Reserve, because we have two whiskeys to taste in this segment, that right. during the yeah. break, uh, Alan actually opened up another can from his uh, amazing gift pack. Of uh, of Southern Star, and this one is a um, red, velvet. red velvet cake. And I just have to say, if you see one of these gift packs on the shelf somewhere, uh, I just recommend that you leave it right where it is and call me so I can go and buy <laughs> yeah, it. And you call me. I'll go. If it's in the Clear Lake area. I'll go grab it uh, yes. for us. Man, uh, uh, no, I buy it if you see it yeah. because this is just absolutely tremendous, and it does, in fact, actually taste. Like, like red, red velvet, velvet cake. cake. Yeah, I can even taste the cream the cheese nose frosting. on this. Like yeah. you get this even close to your face. Like the the s'mores didn't have as much aromatic yeah. to it as this. This you even get it close to your face, and yeah. you can this smell it. This is the that. sweetest of all the ones it, I would yeah. say. It right? really is yeah. even sweeter, I think, than the s'mores yeah. was. Yeah. So uh, one of the things you were we were going to mention was I don't know if you want to bring it up if you want to talk about the whiskey, but regulations. 
Well, yeah. So let's do this. Let's taste the whiskey, and then once we got a little whiskey in us, we'll oh, talk about regulations. <laughs> um, I, I I wanted to uh, just mention too that we've now lit another cigar, and this one is yet again a completely different flavor profile from the last uh, from the last two. Uh, tell me about the Reserva. So this is a new wave Reserva. It again, uh, like the Alencos, comes out of our Elite series, so it's a little bit. Um, a little bit closer to Ernesto's heart, you know, a little bit more premium tobacco in it. Um, so it uses the same Connecticut wrapper that's on our uh, New Wave Connecticut cigar, which mm-hmm. is a very nice, light uh, morning cigar. It's great with a cup of coffee first thing in the morning, not too harsh. I can see this with coffee all day long. But this uses a Connecticut Broadleaf Maduro for the binder. So instead of that just kind of light Connecticutness that you get, you get some of that natural sweetness to it. It's got a little more body to it, a lot more flavor to it. It really does. This has a lot of toast kind of flavors in it, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. Like This, for me, this cigar pairs better with beer and coffee, mm-hmm. where the one we were smoking before I think would have been better with the whiskey. That's well, maybe we went maybe we went in the wrong, uh, wrong order. But Speaking of whiskey. I agree, Ian, although I would, I would say the toastiness is... It's sort of like a uh, slice of sunbe- sunbeam bread toasted in a skillet, butter only on one side. Yes, with a light, <laughs> with a light uh, 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 coat of cinnamon on the uh, dry yeah. pan only while it was heated. That's exactly right. So that's, there's, that's total there's your craziness. ridiculous cigar review of the <laughs> Hold day. Hold on, cooked in the oven, not broiled. Oh, okay, there you not go. Broiled. Not broiled. <laughs> there you go. That's perfect. Very specifically. Um, so this is the finish on this. I, it, when it first hit my tongue, I was like. Eh, but the finish on this is phenomenal. So this and, uh, the, You're talking about sweet. the Jeffersons yes. now, right? This is sweet. You were yeah. talking about the sweet beer earlier. This is incredibly sweet, yet it has a strong bite and finish to it in a very pleasant <laughs> way, but it's, it's definitely there. Well, and it's interesting that it leaves a lingering heat. Yes, and a the lingering, heat stays with you. Right, and the sweetness a bit, too. goes yeah. great with yeah. the cigar. There, you know, it's me all over the palate. Mm-hmm. There, there may be some people that when they drink this, they they don't like. There's a little more burn on the back, which mm-hmm. I like. But as as Chris and I have talked about numerous times, whiskey's a journey. Yeah, I love. You know, five years ago, I probably would. Uh, I don't like the burn on the back. Now, the more burn, the better for me. So, but I love this. Well, and you know, generally when I drink whiskey, um, I I always try it neat uh, first. But I will almost always add an ice cube. And then, because what I like to do is, and I've said this on a show so many times, but I, this is my journey, is I like to add that ice cube. And then as the whiskey gets cold, you get a lot of the brighter flavors in there um, that, that happen. And a lot of times that becomes like fruit. Sometimes, depending on what you have, like um, to me, if you put uh, Glenn Levitt in a glass with a thing of ice, it tastes like apples, like very much like apples. But, but as that ice melts in, uh, and you start getting a little more water into the whiskey. You start to dilute it a little bit. You open up a lot of flavors and, and then sip through it as it warms up again. And you start getting all the darker flavors back into it again. And see, it's, it's this whole journey that happens within one glass of whiskey. And it's fantastic. Uh, Fred, are you a whiskey guy? I'm, I'm starting to be. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> not, again, not a connoisseur, but I, I love it. But I'm kind of with him. I, I drink all mine with, a, with an ice cube. Mm-hmm. It helps me learn more about you know whiskey. I certainly had had you know plenty of different kinds of whiskey before we started the show, but it was probably the spirit with which I was the least familiar, unless you want to count something like Malort. 
Um, but uh, and, you know, we have to reference Malord at we least once to, right, per show. Right. Um, but it's a it's a real um, it's a real journey beginning to understand um, the flavors and the complexities. And and I've I've had such a blast learning whiskey and and. Kind of like uh, your experience with rum. Yeah, well, you turned me on to a lot of rum that I never knew existed. Yeah, I'm, I'm just a huge fan of, of well, rum. And, as and well. rum in Houston is it's coming up. It's yeah, it not, really is. It's not the Captain Morgan's and Bacardi anymore. Some of the stuff that's coming into Houston that's not even available in Texas, but uh, that is coming in that's that's getting some allocation in Houston. You know, and it may only be a couple of cases. It may be. A little bit of this and a little bit of that, but it's it's the rum journey is is getting great here in Houston. Well, talking about rum, uh, I think that one of the things I know a little bit about is rum because uh, when I was very young, I worked with Brugal, uh-huh. which is the second oldest uh, company in the uh, Dominican Republic, 1888. Uh, Don Andres Brugal started it, and uh, so people ask me, "What do you after coffee? What's your favorite pairing?" I would say it's a single malt, depending. But rum, but to me, rum, good rum is like Sacapa 23. Mm-hmm. I like the uh, Plantation 20, phenomenal. Plantation, I like Brugal, Barcelo. So inexpensive. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, good rum, and uh, I like it even more than the 12 is the Flor de Caña 7. Mm-hmm. Now the Flor de Caña 25, it's that is really, it's pricey, but it's it's worth it. Diplomatico, I used to like it. I think it's gotten too sweet. I like Saya, Safra, and, and uh, Granada has some great rums. There's even a rum from uh, from uh, Panama called Abuelo that meets grandfather, the 12 year old. That's you, you some of that on, didn't you? yes. The uh-huh. Abuelo is it, it's pretty good. So I uh, I agree with uh, with Alan that rum has uh, has become a lot, and you know people have gotten away from uh, the old traditional rum names and people have just the, the same thing with with scotch and bourbon have just moved right. to the next level looking more at quant- uh, quality and not quantity we had uh, a couple of shows ago show number 115 um, Adam our producer who's on the wheels of steel uh, we were in Mexico for his wedding and uh, spending some family time down there and we managed to uh, get a bottle of the Havana Club, and not the traditional Havana Club 7, which is wonderful, and we've had on the show before, and I got a couple of bottles of that at Duty Free on the way home, but we found a Havana Club uh, triple barrel aged, and tried it, well, we we did more than try it. None of that Uh, came home. None of that came home. Uh, That that may have been one of the finest rums I've I've ever had. If anything, it's a tie with Chris Hart's British Royal Navy rum that he uh, uh, brought onto the show, which is just a completely different animal, by the way. And we'll yeah. have that at the social again this oh, year. So if anybody man. that missed it last year, uh, we'll have it again the this year. Houston, Houston Whiskey Social is such an event. Yes. HoustonWhiskeySocial.com? Dot com. The Houston Whiskey Social. Already available yeah, they're available. Um, I think we just finished the, um, the early bird, but tickets are still available. It's... So we changed it this year. Yeah, you're year. doing a different time this year. A different, yeah, uh, March 30th right. this mm-hmm. year. So it's going to be a lot cooler. It's not going to be we'll 99 be degrees in the shade. Yeah, yeah, it'll be wonderful. So, uh, yeah, we'd love to have everybody out. If you didn't get to make it this year and you want to try that rum, 
Um, it's it's the old rum from the British Navy that they used to give out as rations. It's it's life changing. We were able to it's get a couple of casks. Chris was able to get a couple of casks, I should say, because he had to pay for it. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, we'll have it available again. Well, uh, I'm going to give the Jeffersons here a pretty strong thumbs up. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm a fan. This is uh, this is something I'm looking forward to you know, enjoying more of with uh, you know with a, maybe trying it with a few different cigars. One of the fun things about this doing this on the show is we get to try so many different things. But I think one of the benefits, listener wise, and because we've all stood in the aisle scratching our heads before, going, "Hmm, do I really want to spend this much and try this if I don't know if I like it?" Is if you hear a description you like of something here, you can just go, you know, "Hey, that either fits what I like or that's." not something I'd want that's kind of a fun thing in yeah itself, yes. right? you know and, and I'll be honest you know there there are some shows out there that are maybe sponsored by XYZ or ABC or whatever and so they try not to talk badly about certain products but one Would of the you things understand it's yeah sponsor, exactly you know? yeah. but one of the things I love about coming on with y'all is B&B is y'all sponsor right which they cover everybody they have great food great and drinks so if something comes on, everybody knows I'm not an IPA fan. If I say, man, this is not, I don't have to go, Cruz, can you I talk bad about this right. beer? Exactly. Uh, you know, exactly. It's, hey, it doesn't meet my palate. Uh, I'm not, a, I'm not the guy for this. Exactly. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. So you can say, hey, I don't like this. Yeah. Right. And we do. We have from time to time talk about, uh, the, although, you know, in general, we like most of the things that sure. we're trying because <laughs> let's face it, it's you know spirits and beer and cigars. But if we get something that's not to our palate, we'll we'll there's, absolutely talk. There's about funny it. moments on the show where we have, I really don't like something and he really does or stuff like that. And I you know there's no there's no punches pulled. I'm not trying to trash a company because I don't like a product they make unless it's just a bad product. Because sometimes there's stuff that's really high quality. That does, it isn't my palate, sure. and, and that's okay. Too. And listen, I'm the guy who's reviewed a cigar on the show that I. Described as having the wonderful aroma of burning paper, uh, so uh, you know these things do happen. As long we, as that wasn't my cigar, it wasn't one of, <laughs> yours. It wasn't one of yours. Because I, I know, I think it was the hundredth. Y'all got to smoke Ringmaster. Oh my yes. god! And yes. then and y'all enjoyed it, but then we got to smoke it again, and and because I think I brought it to Stogie's, and y'all got did, to yes. yeah, and and so uh, I love that cigar. I love how smoky this cigar has a lot of smoke to it as well yeah. I love the yes. big smoky cigars yep. a big mouthful of smoke it's not that I don't like cigars that aren't big and smoky but that that big smokiness is fun as you saw me earlier trying to blow smoke rings which I'm not fantastic at yeah. that's just fun so one of the yeah. things we were talking about and I asked Fred about because we were talking about this earlier is he's seen uh, uh, a lot of bigger engage cigars a lot of people are buying bigger engage yes. here yes. and that's increasing and that like we said earlier that is becoming a thing now it helps that he's smoking ringmaster yeah. there right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. no sponsor plug there. Yeah, right. yeah. Oh, no. But, no but you genuinely do like that cigar. I, I do that's i do uh, like i said i was fortunate enough to have an experience like i said at the at the show in july and i fell in love with it and it's, i and and even though there's a variety of cigars i'm kind of a person that sticks to one for a while and then kind of move on san but cristobal it, you were right, smoking right, san right, cristobal right, forever right mm-hmm. right so yeah it's it, right now it's my go-to uh, for sure yeah i i love trying different things but i will always have three or four yeah. go-to's right that i like right, to smoke right. on a very regular basis yep. and generally for me those will be cigars in that six to eight dollar range because right. let's face it if if you're 
if you're the person who can have a go-to cigar that's twenty dollars, I'd love to meet you and have you invite me yeah, over. Let's right. hang out. But, uh, <laughs> but but no, it's something more in that range is generally acceptable. But I I, I like to try everything. Yeah. It's, and, it's and part I'll, of the fun. I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there. Ringmaster is not in that price range. Ringmaster is a little bit more expensive, but it is a premium cigar of our inch line. It's more expensive than any of our other inch cigars, but the quality. The flavor of that cigar is absolutely phenomenal. Well, Ian talked about being a big ring gauge uh, guy. I'm generally more comfortable about here in the, uh, you know, 44 to 50 uh, range. But the Ringmaster, what I love about it is it is just absolutely packed with flavor. Yes. Instead of. That's right. It it, it it doesn't become one dimensional. It it keeps right. the flavor nice. developing and evolving, and it's 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 really a wonderful thing. Okay, so what I want to do, we're going to take a, a a quick break and come back for our final segment. In that final segment, we're going to taste the whiskey from Dubai. Uh, we have at least one more beer to try, and uh, we also are going to talk uh, cigar regulations. Awesome. We haven't gone there yet, so that'll all be coming up. Uh, plus. A few more questions for Jose Blanco from EP Carrillo. We are smoking and toasting, and we'll be right back. On the beach in Hawaii. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. This is the radio program that is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Uh, we are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston. And in the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth, we are live today at Maduro's Cigar Lounge and Cigar Shop uh, in League City, Texas. And we are uh, having a wonderful time with Alan Denny and Jose Blanco from E.P. Carrillo. And uh, I'll just say... You know, Chris Hart is going to have to go some to uh, uh, to top today's show because this is uh, <laughs> this that. is this I want to uh, I want to yeah. take just a second and give a shout out to a couple friends that uh, I always see. Like we see, if you're doing comments on here, sometimes you log on. Uh, we're watching on here, so share out. We love that. But I want to give a shout out to Skeet and Bo. These guys, every time I look at my phone. When we're doing this show, they're always watching the show, Thank man. You guys. I just love that. Thank you for the support. We appreciate it. We really do. We even have a good dear friend from Australia, Bruce Lewis. Oh, nice. Tuning in. Nice. Bruce, awesome. Hope all is well, brother. We uh, we have just increased our Australian numbers by one, so that's good. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Share it out, please. Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, you know, we seriously, we want to thank all of you uh, that support the show and that check us out on a regular basis. We just do this really as a labor of love. It's uh, it's just something Ian and I enjoy, and we've had 117 episodes of, of goodness, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, of course, includes the uh, the famous missing episode. The famous missing we'll episode. We'll have to resurrect uh, someday. That was the episode entitled Cruise is Bitter. More bitter than a bad <laughs> IPA. <is> bitter. <laughs> Cruise is more bitter than a bad IPA. It was when we had to change the name of the show, which ultimately was, was a wonderful thing. <laughs> yes. Oh, you know what this this smells like? Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about what he just poured. Because okay, so my mom loves these things. They're chocolate orange slices that you get. Mm-hmm. You, you, you yeah. know what I'm talking about. You yeah, always see them at Christmas. The, that's yeah. exactly what this is. It's you know chocolate what? orange from you know, Southern <laughs> Star. Pick up orange right away. I uh-huh. had to look over. Like I smelled this, and I had to look over. I was like, "Is that what I think it is?" It is literally the smells. Now, I haven't tried, tried it yet. Oh but this yeah, smells it smells exactly exactly like those, like those candies. So, uh, as a matter of fact, I just bought a couple of those. You know, you take them, and while they're still in the foil. 
you actually hit them because it's a solid piece. And you hit the orange on, on a table, and it breaks. So each of the pieces look like a little orange slice. They right, actually right. have ridges in them. This is not information you get on <laughs> the other shows. I'll just point this out. You know, this is, this is important information and things that, you know, make them up in Trivial Pursuit or if you buy <laughs> candied orange slices, and that's about it. Wow. But uh, it's awesome. And this, this is a delicious beer. Once again, Southern Star. Yep. Big time. Why yeah. haven't they well, been on the show before? Well, it's odd. Right? This one has a little bit thinner mouthfeel than the yeah. other ones we've tried. It's not as viscous. It's uh, yeah, it's a little thinner, ta- a little thinner overall tasting. Um, but it's good and it's so nostalgic for me because my, my, my mom probably has some right now in her cupboard. You want to talk about a nice pairing? This with this oh, uh, with this cigar, just fantastic. Oh wow, it sure is. It really complements it well. Some you know some pairings are you know passable, like you can enjoy. The drink and the cigar. Some pairings are pretty good. Like, that's got some things that it enhances and brings out. To me, this is one of those, like, upper 10%. Now, Jose, these, these really go well together. One of the things we do, we were talking about pairing with whiskey earlier. One of the things we do, and we had an event centered around this, uh, is we do what's called the whiskey sniff. And this is where you light up your cigar and you get into the flavor of the cigar, about a half inch to an inch of your cigar, and get that in your palate. And then the way to choose the whiskey that's going to go with this cigar is you go smell the whiskey. Really? Yeah, it works every time. Yeah. And I do this. I've been doing this for years where I just, you know, I start a cigar outside, of course. Then I go inside to my bar and I start opening whiskeys and smelling them. And usually pair it down to like two whiskeys and go, no, I'm going to have this one. And it always pairs well. Such a great way to do well, it. Well, and the way y'all did the sniff was obviously different than just about any other event well it is different than any other event i've been to because you can light up your cigar and then go around to the different vendors Mm -hmm. where you can't walk around with your cigar at other whiskey events right because generally they're indoors in the cigar areas outdoors you're just trying all the whiskeys you have certain people that are that's all they're doing is they're slamming as much whiskey as they can your event was the essence of the cigar with the whiskey. Which and, and maybe going back to, okay, I've tried it with this one. Let me try it with that yeah, one. And yeah. it was, and Ian came up with a great idea that we really should have thought of, but we will for the next whiskey sniff in 2019. And that is that to make the sniff portion, portion of it easier. A little smoother even. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have each of the uh, whiskeys that are available there. Each one of them poured out into a little Glencairn, and that way you'll have something you can very easily pick up. It's a little awkward, was a little awkward trying to you know pick up the bottles and and sure. sniff, uh, and and so it really I think will enhance the whole sniff portion of the event. But it was a lot of fun, and I was I was really proud that the people that were there were uh, were you know were really happy with with the event and. Had a good time. Well, you know, I start looking at it, you know, we all have thoughts. Sometimes we put uh, an idea like that in motion and you think, wow, it is kind of a silly idea. But you know what? So many people appreciated it. And I love that people came up and said, man, this is a great idea. I never thought about trying pairing my cigars with whiskey this way. I was pretty happy. And by the way, this whiskey is outstanding. Okay, so let's talk whiskey because one of the things I noticed was that uh, Jose actually did a whiskey sniff on this uh, before when we were in the break. Right. He opened up the top and... Uh, took a sniff at the top of the bottle, and you liked what you smelled. Uh, to be honest, uh, that's probably one of the, uh, uh, towards aroma of one of the 
the scotches that's really has that really impressed me with something that you smell it and what first thing that would come to your mind is what great cigar do i have in the humidor mm-hmm. that i want to pair it up with wow well that and this cigar also go outstandingly well as this is a a bit of a brighter flavored cigar than the other ones we had less sweet a little more toast a little more of those flavors um this it brings out all those bright fruit this is a very fruity very fruity uh fruit forward kind of whiskey right here and it brings out a lot of that apricot kind of flavor in there a little pear maybe um apricot pear and banana is what i get off of most glenmorangie we i'm a big fan of i've become a big fan of of glenmorangie and uh, Alan, tell us a little bit more about this, where you got it, how it came to be. So I was at a scotch tasting in Dallas with some guys, and there was a guy there that I know fairly well um, through the cigar industry. And I had taken a very special bottle of uh, Belvini 12. It was a private barrel picked by David Stewart, their master nice. distiller. And he, uh, they had pretty much gone through most of mine because it's something that it hasn't been made in years and never be made again. And the guy was this one. They had drank a little bit out of it. So you were showing off. Basically. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And uh, and so basically this one, yeah, people had drank it, but people really didn't realize exactly what it was and how special it could be. And so it hadn't had as much out of the bottle as mine had. And the guy was like, well, I'd really like to have the rest of that. I'll trade you. Okay. I know. <laughs> I, I, I tried that. I've had the 12. Uh, I've, I've had David's bottles before. I have another one at the house. And I'd love to. And so they do their legend series where you can only buy them at certain duty-free airports around the world. Mm-hmm. This one came out of Dubai. And I was like, absolutely. I don't know a whole lot about it because they don't put a whole lot Right. They don't give you it. a whole lot of information. No. But uh, it's really wonderful. I think it's a more complex blend perhaps uh, than than it's, some, of, it's some of the others high complexity yeah. high complexity like I have a bottle at the house of the 18 year old and that's got a lot of complexity this has that similar kind of complexity to it with all the fruit flavors right up front um, it has a little bite on the end of it that's mm-hmm. nice yep. um, is this is a that, blend that's at 43 yeah. percent no that's a single barrel yeah, yeah. Single yeah. Barrel. Oh, my bad I Referred to it as a blend, but I was yeah. really just talking about the complexity of it and how how, how well they've just blend, arrived yeah. at such a such a wonderful blending of, of flavors, and it's it's the smoother than I might have guessed. You know what? Uh, you know what it makes the aftertaste makes me think of. You ever had a really good spiced pear? Mm. Oh yeah, kind of thing. It has that kind of uh, little bit of spicy bite to it, and. But lingering sweetness too—that's that's what that makes me think of. So now that we have a little warmth from the whiskeys, um, let's talk a little bit about cigar regulation. The current place where the cigar exemption stands is that the deadline for the government to vote on this uh, tax bill, which is what part? Yeah, I know, uh, is now December twenty-first, and the tax bill has attached to it uh, an exemption if it were to be approved for premium cigars from the legislation that was passed earlier in the year by the FDA. Uh, And so that's kind of where things stand. Alan, you and I have been round and round on both sides of of the issue. Um, Do you have any thoughts? I mean, doesn't it seem to you like the easiest thing would be the exemption? Sure. 
If, if the exemption passes through, we don't have to worry about trusting the government to make good decisions and all the other things that would be involved in uh, how they would enforce the regulations as it pertains to premium cigars. They've already basically said that, yeah, they're kind of putting the premium cigar, like the definition of all of that, kind of putting that off until later. It's not, it's not what the legislation was, was what really their purpose, which we knew all along. Sure. Because the purpose of the legislation is about trying to keep the flavored cigars and the inexpensive cigars and the machine maids out of the hands of younger people, particularly minors. And as we've talked about on the show, the premium cigar industry doesn't have an issue with minors. There aren't minors walking around. We don't target them. Yeah, and they're not they're not coming in stores no. like this. Seventeen year old kids yeah. aren't coming in here trying to buy a uh, a box of Padrones. I, or I said it before. For, I don't know the last time I was on my way into a cigar shop and a fifteen year old said, "Hey man, can you buy me some cigars?" <laughs> right, exactly. Like that. Exactly. Cigarettes, yes. Cigars, no. Well, you know, yeah, here, yeah exactly. You, you you brought it up that the government regulations and. When was I'm going to put it out there? When was the last time the government did something for us that was good when it came to regulations? Oh, remember when the government did something for us that wasn't self-serving to them or reinforcing their own bureaucracy? That was like 1941, I think. <laughs> well, you know, the FDA has made it fairly clear through some of the moves that they've made outside of this regulation that what they're really targeting is, I mean, flavored tobacco. It's about to become a thing of the past. Uh, but you know what really is what the, to be in all honesty, right now, cigars are falling into third place. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's vape, vape, yeah, right, and then the flavored stuff, vape and, and we're and we're three to, and, and Which, all honesty. Yeah, and you've got you know I I get that I'm all when you've got guys making bottles of vape juice in their bathtub, and then selling it to whoever whatever. Yeah, you you got to do something because you don't know what's in it. But see, that's not going to change. In no. fact, that'll become more prevalent. Probably once you can no longer go out and buy you know blueberry flavored uh, tobacco for yeah. your hookah. You know, but but cigars there there's there's tobacco, and there's pectin. Did I mention tobacco? Yeah. I mean, I, I, so I got all the ingredients. You got that's it. That's it. Yeah. That that's it. But even even the glue that we use for the binder. Yeah. And the wrapper is a sap from yeah. a tree. Yeah. So you could take a premium cigar to any lab in the world, and the readout is going to be the tar content, the pH, the calcium, the magnesium, and it's going to read, the printout is going to be, it's a 100% tobacco. It's a 100% tobacco. Not the same tobacco, thing with cigarettes and vape right. and all that other stuff. Well, no, it's, not right. like, it's not like even some of the, some of the more like hand-rolled flavored cigars, like the Drew Estate Natural stuff, right? Like them or don't, it's, they're not... They're not uh, targeting anybody. Their packaging is not targeting anybody no. under the age of thirty, really. You know, I mean, people that can afford cigars. Well, yeah, the, you afford. That's the key thing. It's a big thing. You talk about the Drew Estate and their acids. Those aren't cheap. No, they're not. They're, those aren't ninety-nine cent two packs that you go in and buy at the convenience right. store. And those it, are still premium cigars. That's and right. I will say, and I know a lot of people, you know, bag on them. I enjoy an acid every once in a while, and. I will be really, really bummed to see those have to go. My wife loves those, actually. I'll tell you what. uh, Jonathan is a dear friend of both mine and Jose's. Known him since he had his kiosk in the World Trade Center. Wow. Yeah. And and so he has, 
he has a, a place in the marketplace with Jura State because I will say for, for the naturals, the acids, that is a great entry point yeah. because of the sweet tip and the flavor for a guy that, hey, you want to try a cigar? Oh, I don't know. Try this. It's got a sweet tip to it. Right, right. Hey, this is great. Yeah. But it's, you know, kids that are, that are they're not going, you know, Nobody. people that use cigars, some of the machine rolled stuff to put other stuff in it. Yeah. You can't do that with a premium. You can't do. You cannot. If you're listening, you cannot take an acid or a natural, cut it open, put yeah. that in, and wrap it up because you destroy the cigar you when destroy you do it. Everything. It's, it's worth. And and what's craziest about the whole thing is that the stuff they're putting in these flavored is cigars legal. is legal and about to be legal pretty much everywhere else. So that's yeah. It, it does again the governmental bureaucracy of it all sure. will make you a bit crazy. Well, and you look at some of the things like California has done that they've increased the tax base astronomically thinking oh it's going to make us more money no the people that live in california now that are that are premium cigar smokers they're just buying it online yeah. that's right they're, they're, that's right you're, you're hurting so yourself the industry yeah. and one of the and, things that and uh, lost revenue because of, of course it. and one of the things we discussed on last week's show with tom polar is he believes that the fda is moving towards bans on cigars being sold across state lines which will oh, mean yeah, that's yeah. a huge yeah. thing which will mean that the you know the JRs and the CIs of the world, you won't be able to buy those online unless you live in the same state they have an operation they can ship it to you. Well, from. and that's that's a reason. That's another reason. You know, you've got the uh, the Casa de Monte Cristo stores that Altadis has opened. You've got the CIs that that General Cigars yep. is opening. That's the reason they're opening in these major metropolitan areas. You've got a CI in Dallas. You've got multiple Casas in Texas. So now, if you're buying from JR Cigar who is owned by Altidus, which is Casa de Monte Cristo, they can ship Technically, here. Right, yeah. CI, same thing. If you've got one in all these major metropolitan areas, then, okay, yeah, you may not be able to ship it to Montana or right. Wyoming, but all the other states are going to have them, and they can use that for a drop point. Before we wrap the show up, Jose, uh, what can you tell us about uh, what's in the future for EP Carrillo? <clears throat> well, uh, this is going to be, uh, next year is going to be our Ernesto's 10th uh, anniversary We've had a great year. Uh, last year was very good, too. To be honest, we got to look a lot into what the FDA uh, is going to be into. Uh, one of the things we have done, uh, and I've worked a lot with our international markets. I've been going to Europe a lot, and we've been growing a lot there. Even uh, last week, we made some contact from some uh, countries in, uh, in Africa, also in Asia. But more, well, we... <clears throat> Looking forward is to continue to build up the brands, to come out with uh, uh, with consistency, keeping up the quality of of tobacco, and just doing what we've done for many years, making great cigars and uh, being consistent on what we do. I mean, other than that, there's not really a lot of things you can do today. You mentioned your involvement in the European <coughs> markets. In shops where you can go in and buy Cubans right off the shelf are... Cigars uh, that are not from Cuba, that are from the other countries, are they beginning to make some inroads in those, let me, in those let me, areas? Let me give you a, a little bit of history on our, the industry. The United States consumes more or less between 65 to 67% of all the cigars made in the world. Spain used to be the second largest market, but now it, because of their economy, Germany has become number two, Spain is number three. And then, of course, the hardest market that's still very, very strong with Cubans is still England. The UK, yeah. But other than that, Spain, 
France, Switzerland, Sweden, already the non-Cuban cigars have taken a big part of it. Because you've got to understand that right now, Dominican Republic worldwide is the largest producer of cigars. Mm -hmm. Second place is Nicaragua. Third place is Cuba. Cuba last year only made 90 million cigars. Right. So the situation in Cuba and the inconsistency of their product has allowed us with better cigars, better made, uh, better, tobacco. Draw, better, better tobacco, to really grow into the international market. But still, people think about Cuba, and they'll smoke anything that they make out because of the name. But it's like I tell people, why would you pay $30 for X cigar when you can get a good Dominican cigar, a good Nicaraguan cigar for 10 for ten or $12 is going to mm -hmm. be just as good. So yeah. my two cents on Cuban is this, and I've said it a million times. Overrated, overpriced, inconsistent. When they're good, they're as good as any cigar, but not better. The word is different. Get this into your head. Right. It's just different. Every country, whether it's Nicaragua, Mexico, Peru, Ecuador, Dominican, Cuba... Costa Rica, Mexico, are going to have different characteristics of the flavors of, depending on the seeds that you're growing there. So there's no such thing that this cigar is better than other. It's just different. Right. It's different, and everyone's palates are different. Exactly. That's, that's a big, that's a big, big well, it's, part Well, it's, it. it's the old myth that, uh, you know, Cubans make the best cigars because you couldn't get them. And now that they're right. even a little more readily available now than they used to be, uh, people always ask me, do you think Cuban cigars are the best? Cuban cigars, Cubans make great cigars, and they make really bad cigars, too. Yeah. And Just like everywhere else. And then there's the other thing, which is, I can't tell you the last time I was smoking a Dominican cigar or a Nicaraguan cigar and thought, I wonder if this is a counterfeit. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> and I read somewhere that as much as 80% of the cigars that are you know, <clears throat> sold or given as Cubans in the United States could be counterfeits. I, I've I've read I've read seventy. I've read eighty. I've read as high as ninety in some. Well, especially if you buy them in Miami or in Mexico. Yeah, uh, right. If you, I'm going to put this out there. If you are on the beach in Mexico, and somebody comes up to you with a five pack of cigars in a plexiglass box, you are buying fake Cuban <laughs> yeah. cigars. Yeah. Yeah. Period. If there is no plexiglass in a factory. In Cuba. If you're in South Beach in Miami and the cigar store owner invites you to the little room in the back and sells you some Cuban cigars, yeah. probably not Cubans either. True. Yeah, I want to, real quick, while we're here at Maduro's, and it, it, the, the people out there can't see it, but there's a, a caricature over there of a, a very dear friend of mine. His name is Gene Beck. And he goes by on, he's actually really big in the whiskey world in Houston. He goes by the Whiskey Redneck. The he has actually had a private barrel of Russell's Reserve picked for him. He has nice. been instrumental. He's been around from the social uh, since Chris and I started it uh, nice. four years ago. And I think I, Ian is bringing the stand up yeah, over so awesome. we can and, and get it in the camera And I will tell you, shot. Gene is actually over in the other room, and I'd love, but I would love for y'all to have him on the show. He has come so far, and yeah, he's he's sitting there uh, talking about, hey, Gene, I love you. <laughs> and, and, and this looks very much like him. He's on Instagram as the Whiskey Redneck. But he put a thing on here, and it said, Alan Denny, say poop, please. Uh, and, so, <laughs> and now you have? Yeah, I had. So, <laughs> but y'all should, you talk about a riot to have on. He is, uh, to have him and Chris on, on the same show. 
Oh, it'd be hilarious. Well, you'll have to crash or you'll lose I've, your advantage. Oh, no, that'll met, be after my next visit. Okay, gotcha. Then, then we can... can we <laughs> I've can only get, met Gene a few times, and he is hilarious oh, every single time. Well, one of the most fun shows we've ever had was uh, also a suggestion from you guys when we had uh, the Tater Talk uh, expert on the show. Oh, Wade. Is, Wade was just... Wade. Uh, uh, yeah, he there's calls a, it like he sees it. Man, I love you that. know, and I love Wade because he's all about transparency in the industry, mm-hmm. whether it's beer or whiskey. Just be honest. Yeah. And there's a there's a couple of things going on right now with a couple of companies that that are uh, not being honest with some stuff and their regulations, and don't know where that's going to go. But call him on it. Yeah, that's absolutely. That, absolutely. Well, uh, speaking of transparency, I would be uh, falling down on the job if I didn't tell you this may be one of the better whiskeys I've had in quite some time. That uh, Glenmorangie, how do you pronounce it? Dutak. Dutak. That's spectacular. It's outstanding. So, uh, guys, I want to thank you so much for hey. being on the show. This has been it's a blast. It's been our pleasure. It's a and pleasure. I hope, it, I hope it won't be my last time. I know it's not going to be Alan's <laughs> last time. He has a record to keep up. That's yes. right. Uh, by the way, I just want to mention the last time that I got to hang with you, uh, we were hanging at that little event where Dave Pickroll from uh, Whistlepig, uh, Such a uh, rest in peace, yeah, uh, was there, and he is already missed. I was wondering, did you make it away with one of those little samplers of the Boss Hogs? I good. made away with multiple samplers. Oh, you're a bad, matter bad man, of fact, Alan As a matter of fact, so um, Gene, who not only is instrumental in whiskey, I, Gene is a dear... I didn't get to taste the Boss Hog. <laughs> I'll make sure that happens. Gene is a dear, dear friend of mine. Uh, not, And I'm not... Not, hey, we hang out at the cigar shop. I go to his house. He comes to my house. I mean, we're good friends. Our right. wives hang out. And uh, so while we were there, I actually got Dave to sign one of those bottles to nice. Gene nice. and brought it back to him. Fantastic. So And, and, and when I, I actually called Gene that morning and said, hey, don't crack that bottle yeah, because Dave just passed away. And I'm going to tell you, for the entire whiskey world... Because Dave has been instrumental from Maker's Mark to he was doing the Metallica yes, whiskey, absolutely. and that yeah. that was going to be one of the few, or is going to be one of the few named whiskeys that isn't a BS whiskey. It's not yeah. some crap mm-hmm. made by right. somebody else, and they threw their name on it like uh, a certain UFC fighter that I could name. Oh yeah, well that stuff is garbage. <laughs> oh my god, it's trash, and I will talk about how much trash that is. Yeah. But um, hey, trash talking is a part of the UFC. Uh, truth. Truth. So but, you're just keeping up with uh, Joneses on that one. Yeah, right. Yeah. But, but when he was doing this one for Metallica, he was doing the blend on this right. and making sure that it was going to be something sure it great. Was good whiskey. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're looking forward to tasting that. Hopefully, we did uh, taste that. The, new, uh, the Metallica. Yeah, we the blackened. Oh, that's yeah. right. We, we sure did. We sure did. Uh, and it was now that I'm because Keegan brought that into us. That yes. was kind of a last minute thing we tossed he, on. There. He like, saved awesome. us on a show when someone canceled. As that's a matter right. Of fact, by that's bringing right. the blackened in. So oh, I forgot it was uh, that show. Yeah, it was. It was uh, very good. Well. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. We appreciate it. Number 117 is in the books. Uh, we have uh, some pretty exciting things coming up. I mentioned in two weeks uh, Ian's Crazy Beer Show, which is something I have to tell you I'm really actually really looking forward to. It. And then uh, on next week's show, Abby Perry from Whitmire's will be joining us. Oh, I, and I love Travis. It's going to be just absolutely spectacular. So we're looking forward to that. I, uh, again, can't thank you gentlemen enough. Pleasure as always, and uh, always a pleasure, guys. I uh, hope we can do this again. The next, uh, one, the one, the one that I will, and I will call y'all. And the next time Ernesto's with me, 
in Houston. It's a plan. That's that's the one. Got to get plan. him on the show. We'd love to have him on. It would be terrific. Uh, so we want to thank everyone again for being a part of the program. I've got just a little bit of this Glamorangi left, and so I'll use it to toast and say, "Have a wonderful week, everyone." See you next week on Smoking and Toasting One Eighteen, and cheers. Cheers.